Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flakes. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a witch, a bully kid, and a game of abuse? Why you get Slapface. Welcome to a new episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. We are here finally. I know it's been a while, but actually looking at a horror movie. Uh, and this is a Shudder original horror movie. Um, and to be honest, this movie, whether the way that I feel about it, whether I like it or I don't, is the reason why I like horror movies. Just overarching. This is one of the main reasons because you can have a movie that has tension, that has scares monsters whatever and has this big overarching message right with everything that's going on it and it doesn't have to be like in your face up front about the whole thing and a lot is led up to like your own interpretation of the movie right whether you believe that everything that's happening in the the movie is right there it's in your face and that's what's really happening and everything else is the underlying theme or is the theme really like focused on the the what they're trying to bring across and the things that happen in the film are, are under your own interpretation it's just what i really like about horror movies i love the fact that you can go and you can get a gore filled splatter fest but at the same time you can have a movie with a message whether it's good or bad whether it's deep or it's not or whether it is like blatant or not And you can still have fun with the other horror elements that they're putting into the film without feeling like this is made for one type of person. And it's, again, why why I really love watching horror films and the fact that they do these things with people. It's what makes it the genre that I really love, that I can have a mixture of everything. And sometimes the horror is a real horror, a real-life horror disguised by monsters or a sci-fi theme or or whatever you want to be and other times like i said it's just a monster 
And that's all it is. So you can have fun with these movies no matter what. Now, I saw this trailer for this film a while back ago. I actually, on the other podcast that I do with Paranormal Pat called It Be Like That, if you ever want to check it out and listen to us talk about random shit, um, on that one, I did like a solo episode and I decided, you know what, we're going to look at a bunch of random horror trailers. I, I just want to see what's coming up. I want to, you know, I couldn't think of a solo episode, so I decided let's just kind of do some reaction to some trailers for a podcast, play the trailers, and we'll do that sometime. And then I saw this and I saw, what the hell is Slapface? And I was really intrigued by this movie. I've never heard of it, never had even thought about it. And the trailer really, like, dragged me in. And then I started looking at reviews, and reviews were pretty positive. Even on Shudder, though, if if you've ever been to Shudder and you ever use the service, they use skulls, right? It's one to five skulls. And at the time, this was sitting at about a four, four and a half. It's since gone down to, like, a three, three and a half. It's not as popular as it once was or as maybe loved, I guess you can say, as it once was. But it's still, you know... It still intrigues me and still definitely was like, this movie could be right up my alley. And I thought since it's relatively new, you know, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people maybe that have listened to this podcast and have not heard of it. Let's all go together. First time. Let's go ahead and just do it. Rip that bandaid off. Turn up the knob to 11. Let's watch a witch movie that is it really about witches. So what I didn't really know about the film in general is that director writer Jeremiah Kipp this was actually one, it was, you know, inspired by his childhood love of monster movies, but that the one of the producers or, or his cinematographer, I should say, Dominic Silvis said, let's make a proof of concept short film. So in 2017, there actually is a short film version of this movie. And then they kind of like moved it around and eventually it became a full-fledged movie, which I thought was really cool. And I thought, great, if I can find the short film, maybe I'll link it in the description below and stuff like that. But it's not really easy to find. And this movie really just came out this year. At least it premiered on Shudder on February 3rd of 2022. So again, it's it's one of those things where it it's interesting right and it was premiered actually first at the cinequest film festival on march 20th of 2021 where it did win the audience award for feature thriller horror or sci-fi and honestly i i have mixed emotions about this movie when thinking about it and not really getting into it not trying to understand you know where it's going because again i feel like this movie is something that the trailer does no justice to it, right? It doesn't really tell you the story. It gets you, it hooked me in. It definitely did. But what ultimately the movie is about, it is not the trailer. It really isn't. Like, I thought this, you know, the basics of the movie is kid, you know, suffering from trauma, meets a monster in the woods that he befriends, happens to be a witch, and then, you know, hijinks ensue. <laughs> That's the way it feels. Like, all of a sudden, all these bad things start happening all around him because he met this witch out in the woods. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, if that's the way we're going to play these things. And it looked interesting, right? And, it, and there's a lot of little things in the way that they cut it. And they, they did a really good job of sucking people in. And I feel because what the movie ultimately becomes, it probably is going to turn off a lot of people. I don't know if that's true. I could be totally wrong. But some of the people that that I know, you know, 
personally know they would get into this movie. This this movie is, and I know there's a lot of people that love this company. I, I they're actually really great, and I think that they take a lot of chances. But whoever cuts their trailers does a terrible job. So a twenty four. I love A24 movies. Uh, there are some bad ones. There's always bad ones. Even the major film companies can put out bad, like really, really bad films. But for the most part, the people that cut their trailers, cut them in a way that, one, it doesn't give anything away. Like Hereditary and Midsommar are good examples where you don't know what the fuck is going on by the trailer, but you're definitely intrigued when you see it. And then there's the, the one movie... With the Red Door, why can I not remember the name of that goddamn movie it is beyond me. But the way that it the trailer is done, it's like a monster movie, you know. And then all of a sudden we went and saw it, and it's like this post-apocalyptic survival movie type thing. But it's not really about that. It's It's more about madness. Again, it's another one where... Is it this way or is it that way? What's the interpretation that you're you're you know supposed to be looking for? And it it didn't resonate with everybody. Like if the trailer was cut different, then I think more people would have liked it. But because some people, you know, I believe have and even me too, where you have this expectation going to this movie and then you see it and you're like, oh, that's nothing like it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so that's kind of what I'm going to look at here, right? When it comes to this movie, do the things in this movie work in its favor for what I was expecting it to be? Or is it different enough to where and intriguing enough where even though the trailer doesn't really match it, you know, I'm still hooked in or did it completely lose me again? I will commend this movie because this movie really like it's, it's going on a point and the point that it's going on in the movie is it's not going to resonate with everybody. Right. And as we get towards the end, I'll talk about it. Or as we meet characters, I don't want to do it right now. Cause I don't want to you know, even myself turn people off. Uh, when you start talking about some things, but in general, like I, I commend it that it's using horror in a way to get the point across for what they're doing. And ultimately, is it a monster movie? No, I, I really don't consider it to be a monster movie, even though there's a quote unquote monster in it. There's not really a monster to speak of. Right. So let's just go ahead dived in the movie before start ranting for 30 minutes or something on whatever the beginning of this shit is and let's go into the movie so the movie itself starts off with a brother tom who okay this is terrible all right in, in the back of my mind because i already hate this guy and why do i hate this guy because it kind of looks like a young tom brady and fuck that guy okay seriously i i understand it's just like the fucking beatles and a lot of people are probably hating for say this i understand what the fuck they've done for football but i just don't like him okay i don't like him i don't like his cheating ass i don't like the fact that he left his pregnant fucking girlfriend fiance where the fuck she was for giselle to whom he had this giant fucking you know whom i have a bunch of kids and everything like that but yet leaving your pregnant like lady behind fucking piece of shit but nonetheless, <laughs> and if you like Tom Brady, whatever, I don't give a shit. It's the way it is. But this guy looks like a young fucking Tom Brady and it pisses me the fuck off because I want to fucking slap his face like multiple times. But 
nonetheless, I need to digress and get away from fucking Brady. But I'm going to slap the shit out of him ever I see him. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't need a bunch of people coming after me now. I mean, I think Kay, I heard Kane Hodder coming around here the other day. He was looking for me and I had to duck out the back window like I was running in the fucking gulag or something like that. But nonetheless, he's there with his brother Lucas and they're playing a game of slap face. And that's literally how the movie starts. Now, if you've never played slap face before, it's a very complex game. It's got strategy in it. And, and you have all these pieces in front of you. You got to make sure that you, you move them. And some of them move diagonally and some of them go straight. And Oh wait, talking about chess again, aren't I? Okay. No, no, no. Slap face is literally. Okay. 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 Like slapping each other in the face harder and harder and harder. And Tom is there in his slappable fucking face. And he's just slapping the shit out of his brother Lucas. And then Lucas slaps him back. And then he slaps Lucas and Lucas slaps him back. Okay. I, I, this is a weird thing. We're okay with hitting children in this movie. All right. And then it starts going into the main credits. And within those credits, the film... We learn what the name of the monster is going to be, and it's the name of the monster is the Virago. And the Virago is a, basically, it's like a violent woman, right? If you look it up in Google, that's one of the terms that you can come with. Basically kind of like a uh, boorish, you know, untampered, well not untampered, like mean-tampered, bully type of person. So basically... You know, somebody that can't hold back their emotions and expresses it through violence. So it's very important that we learn. We always get to learn the the little jingle about the damn thing. And it's not like one of those cool jingles like, you know, the best part of waking up is folders in your... No, it's not something that's going to stick in your head, you know, for months and months and weeks and months and weeks and chicken with the biscuits and the chicken with the biscuits is me you know those types of things that still fucking stick with you even though you watched that movie almost four or five fucking months ago but yet it still rings in your head every time you decide to make chicken for dinner or some shit like that but uh, i digress so she has her little thing and we're seeing a lot of flashbacks we're seeing about you know an accident that's happened and then about kids talking about a witch that they met in the forest and then people dying there's all these weird things that are popping up there and then we fade over and it's the next morning and then tom is in the kitchen and he's trying to make himself a sandwich but he doesn't know how to do that properly because he's a fucking drunk but we don't really know that yet until a little bit later in the movie but yeah, he's a fucking drunk. See, these two have lost their parents, and we don't really know how. We do get a little inkling later on in the movie, but I don't really want to get into it because, again, it's not really explained. All we know is the dad's dead, mom's dead, it's just the two brothers, the older brother Tom and the much younger brother, you know, Lucas, sitting over here. And Lucas seems to be like a nice little kid, and they both give each other enough shit, and it's just like, a regular brother-brother relationship, right? But, of course, the side thing is here is that it feels like, especially throughout the movie, that Tom doesn't really know how to be a father and doesn't really want to be a father to Lucas. Even though they're the only two that these you know, brothers have, you can't treat your other brother with respect. Instead, they play slap face for 
fun, I guess. We don't really know at this point. Later on, it is, you know, described of why they do what they're doing. But here, you don't, you don't get it. You don't know why they're doing it. So Lucas leaves as Tom goes to work. And Lucas, he looks like, I would say, you know, it, it's, it's weird because as you get older, and it's going to happen to you one day if you're much younger than me, where you're going to look at kids. Like, I remember when I was in my 20s, okay, I'm much older than that now. But when I was in my 20s and you'd meet somebody that was like 15 or 16 years old, sometimes you couldn't really tell, right? How old are they? They would look maybe close to you because you've been kind of, you know, high school and the disparity in age between an 18 and, you know, a 17 year old and a 14 year old, it's not huge. And, you know, you guys kind of all look the same, but you would know that a kid is a kid, right? You know that somebody in elementary school, even at that age, they're a young kid. But, you know, at times it's weird because I know they're trying to portray him as a young kid, but I don't know if he's like a like sixth grader, a fifth grader, which around here would be like 10, 11-ish, maybe even 12 in some situations. Or is he like a teenager? Like, is he like 13 or 14 years old? I'm assuming so because of the girls that we're going to meet in just a little bit. But it's still just kind of weird because I can't pinpoint his age and it's never really told in the film. But for the sake of argument, I'm going to say he's like 13, maybe 14 years old, right? Still young enough and he's like a runt, right? So he's a short kid. He's definitely looks like somebody that would be the loner in the back of the classroom. I don't know what time of year this is because it seems like the only thing that he does in this film is just roam the fucking countryside. Well, at least somewhere. I think they're supposed to be in New York somewhere, like upstate New York. And they just live out in the middle of nowhere where nobody is around him. them, right? They have no neighbors. They just live in the woods. They have really shitty wallpaper all over their walls. Their kitchen's a mess. But that's understandable because it's two boys living together. And the... the brother has to be in his early 20s like 22 23 i would say he's a lot maybe he's even older than that i don't really know but he's old enough to get into a bar right and so while he goes off to work with all the other buddies picked up like somebody's picked been picked up at a home depot or something like that you know lucas decides to go wandering places and you know he goes to this abandoned place and before he goes in, he undigs a part of the ground. He takes a picture of him and his mom, puts it in the ground, then slices his hand open with a dirty piece of fucking glass. You fucking moron. You want to lose your hand? Because that's how you're going to fucking lose your hand. I get it. You want to be like blood brothers or something. And you find out in a little bit, and this is not much of a spoiler, he's very, like, interested in the like lore of the witch that's out there in the woods that you know befriends kids or takes away the bad kids or whatever it is and it seems like he's trying to call her like here's a picture of my mom for sacrifice my dead fucking mom and then here have some of my blood because witches love blood and i'm gonna get this shit infected don't worry because i've managed to pick up the dirtiest fucking piece of glass that there possibly ever could be on the ground and just fucking sliced it right down the center of my hand and then it drops like two like little drops of blood that's it 
It's not like, like, he gets a good fucking slice. Like, he doesn't like the way that his lifeline looks on his hand. So he decides, you know what? That's really short. I need to carve a large fucking one. And opens up the middle of his hand, which should be bleeding everywhere. Or he might have even hit an artery. How does he know where to fucking cut on his hand? I'm pretty sure there's no arteries in your, like, the palm of your hand or anything like that. But just imagine if you cut, like, the real meaty part of your your hand down there. And then all of a sudden it just starts spurting like you just cut off your finger because you put it through a saw. You know, something like that. You know, but he drops a little bit. He hears some weird noise and then he runs away. And then that's when we cut over to Tom. And Tom is in a bar. And Tom is trying to hit on Anna, who is... I don't know. I don't know if she's new in town or it's just a random girl there, but his brother ultimately cock blocks him because he got caught by the police. Does he drink? I have discriminating days. It's a cool place for a tat. What is it? Guess. Some people can't. Very good. I got it my semester abroad in Thailand. Female elephants band together to raise their offspring, whereas the males go roaming off on their own. Funny, huh? Like Tom. Hi, Sheriff. About a word outside, Tom. The Kenyan saw him running down on North Lane. And if I didn't pick him up for sure, he would have gotten into more trouble. What do you do? I took care of it. Tom, I know you're trying your best. And you're working. Which is great. Yeah. Thanks, John. Your mom, may she rest in peace, would have been proud of you. I don't think she'd feel the same way about Lucas right now. You understand, I'm trying to cut your slack. Because of Nora. She didn't want your boys to be like your old man. And I know that you're better than that. I just hope you don't prove me wrong. Do you maybe want to take Lucas fishing again? I know he looks up to you. Tom, I have my job. You have your job. And your job is to straighten out your brother. You're running out of get out of jail free cards. You understand? Say it. I understand. So Tom doesn't like the role that's been assigned to him. Like he doesn't want to be the father figure in Lucas's life. He just wants to go to the bar, get fucking drunk, and then pick up chicks when he can pick up fucking chicks, especially ones that have random elephants tattooed on their fucking wrist. And there is a thing, and I don't know if I actually got the quote or it may have been in there and I just wasn't paying attention once again, looking up some things on some other stuff like I should be paying attention to the rest of my podcast. 
but she does talk about elephants where elephants are you know there's they they do two different things the female elephant itself stays with the pack and protects everybody while the male elephants go out and just wander on their own i'm paraphrasing here of course and and i think that this does happen at a later point in the movie and not necessarily right now unless i'm calling myself a liar right now because she just fucking said it but that's here nor there and i totally don't admit anything right now but you know, it, it makes sense because you see here, and especially as we get to know Anna over the first act and kind of into the second act, she really is like trying to be the mother figure in both of their lives, right? Because I don't know when they lost mom uh, and I don't know when they lost dad too because dad died at some point as well. And I don't know if they died at the same point or they died at different points because it's never really explained. And part of it makes me feel like they did die at the same time for some reason. So, nonetheless, you know, she steps into that role as Mother Elephant, where Tom is just roaming the fucking streets and not being, you know, or truly being Father Elephant to all of his fucking offspring or his family, just like every other elephant out there. What I'm trying to say is male elephants are fucking assholes. They fuck you, then they leave, and you're stuck raising the fucking kids by yourself. Goddamn selfish fucking male elephants just want to go around, fucking hump everything in fucking sight. Just, oh, you've got a nice fucking trunk. You want to check out these horns? You want to get some ivory? You want me to tickle you a little bit with these? Give you a little poke poke in the butt butt? Uh, wait, that that that's not where those go? Oh, well, y you ever tried? You, you never know. You might like it. And if you do, I'll never forget. Uh, 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 get it? get it nonetheless so um but the other actor that's there which i found very interesting which is the sheriff that's played by dan hadea and you may remember him from such films as blood simple as <laughs> the adventures of buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension commando joe versus the volcano the adams family benny and june rookie of the year which i'm sure that dave would enjoy and many others like maverick which is he was just twitchy the riverboat poker player in that film uh the usual suspects freeway which uh, that's another movie i think i gotta do on one of these times or i have to do that one little uh whatever that red riding hood movie that reese witherspoon was in with our good friend from the Lost Boys, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, in that movie. Also, Robots, and just just a ton of films, man. And this is one of the last movies that he's done uh, in 2021. He's also in one of the Fantastic Beasts movies, the very first one, which is very weird. So, nonetheless, he was very recognizable. He also does a lot of TV, too, which I think a lot of people recognize him for. But I saw him right away. I'm like, wait, I know that guy. And well, he's in a lot of stuff. And he's not in this movie much. But you can see that he was like becoming a father figure to Lucas. But later on in the film, we learned that Lucas doesn't really like him because, you know, when I, I know a lot of people kind of get like this in, uh, you know, when either your parents separate when you're young or uh, you know you're young enough to know that here's mom here's dad this is a family right and you've become so attached but you're young to not realize that sometimes things happen 
right? And that people have a falling out or, you know, the tragedy strikes. And you think that your parental figure, and it's usually your dad to your mom, it seems like, at least when you see it in stories. And for some people, like, they just want their parents to be together and they don't want mom seeing somebody else or they don't want, you know, uh, they want mom to get back together with dad. Like it, that seems to always be the story when you see a lot of movies, when they do this type of thing, right? It's always about the mom never being able to move on. And she should just go back together with dad. But meanwhile, dad, you know, he's a fucking rolling stone. Just go fuck whoever you want. Just like those goddamn fucking elephants, those sons of bitches, they're ruining fucking marriages. All they do is they go around, wander, find whatever other elephant puss that they want to put it, their fucking horns into because you know, no, Nobody's ever tried that either, but nonetheless, what I'm still trying to say is that elephants, male elephants, are fucking dicks. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that's not going to be old anytime soon, but nonetheless, so, you know, he doesn't get to get his because his brother's a fucking cock blocker, you know, he can't stick his fucking horn in wherever he wants to stick it in, and, you know, instead... He goes back to the house with Lucas after taking him out of the fucking, you know, cop car and they play a game of slap face. And this is where you kind of realize that slap face isn't necessarily like a brother game, like they're playing the game to play the game. No, it's like a punishment for Lucas because Tom in his fucking Tom Brady looking ass is like so much stronger, right? He is much older. It's at least 10 years older or more. And he's just like slapping him across the face. And he tells him to slap him harder. And it's like, you know, what the hell? Why would you do that kind of shit? But that's just the way that it is. And that's how he deals with his anger. And at the same time, how he deals with like not talking to his brother about what's going on. Like all he really needs to do is just be like, dude, what are you doing? What the hell is going on? You know? And instead, instead of doing that, he's trying to toughen him up, be like, look, you can't do this shit. I'm going to beat the living shit out of you in order to do this. And it's guised under this game, right? And who knows how long they've been playing this together. And here comes one of the underlying themes in the movie. There's two, there's two major ones here. And this is the first one, which is abuse, right? And it's male-on-male abuse and what the effects of that are. And it, you know, we'll talk about it as things move on, but we know that the, the brother is in this abusive relationship with his brother, but the brother only does it to his his brother, his younger brother. And, you know, there's a couple of things that happen, but we'll we'll get to that as we get to that. Then... After they've done that, then it's kind of like this lovely brother-brother loving relationship chat that they have as Thomas explains to him that he's running out of his get-out-of-jail-free cards. Sheriff says you're running out of get-out-of-jail-free cards. Sheriff Thurston says, I loved your mother. <laughs> Serious. Go to bed. Hey, um, what, what was that? We were just playing slap face. Are you okay? You seem okay. Okay, 
Well, I guess the son, the son, see, and we keep on calling him son, right? Because, but it's not his son, but he's like, has to be a father figure, the the whole thing. So if I fuck up, I fuck up. That's just the way this going to be. But like, Lucas is not a cock blocker because he still brought the girl home, even though he had to deal with his brother basically fucking trespassing on some random property out there that got caught by the cops and it didn't cock block him after all. So why did he slap him across the face other than, hey, don't go into fucking places you're not supposed to fucking be like, don't trespass, don't trespass, don't trespass like why would you hit him across the face too? Why not, you know, spank him if you're going to be fucking abusive or some shit? That way people can't fucking see it, right? Isn't that like the Latino way to do these things? See, my culture knows. <laughs> That's the way my mom was with me. And I'm not saying that, you know, it was it right, was it wrong? It's whatever it is. But it was always don't do it in fucking public. Like, don't do it where people can see you, right? Or don't do it in places that people can see it. That's that's what you do. That chonkla comes out. You think she's aiming for your head? No, she's trying to aim for another body part in your fucking body. So that way you go down, you feel the pain. But at the same time, it's not going to leave a mark where people can see it. Of course, unless you're in the gym and then you take off your shirt. But you're too afraid to take off your shirt because you got little man titties because you're so young and you're a little fat. So you don't really want to deal with that. And then nobody sees it anyway. But no, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it, our parents were different, you know, growing up. My parents compared to the parents today, you know, there's still some there's some that, that do it, that do the punishment in this way. And I'm not saying I'm better for it. I'm not saying that I'm worse for it, but it's different. That's all I'm really trying to say with the whole thing. Right. I can joke about it because that's the way I see it now, because. Growing up, I really didn't do anything, and if that was ultimately the punishment that came out of it, it's because I did something incredibly dumb and stupid. Like, I knew what I did, right? And that's just, is it right? I don't know, okay? It's one of those things where, you know, again, this movie makes me think about that stuff, which is interesting when you sit back and you, you again, you're watching horror and you're just like, I don't know if I really want to have these memories right now, but it brings it kind of out of you. And you look at the relationship between Lucas and, you know, Tom Brady wannabe motherfucker over here. And you're just like, ugh, it's very awkward. And Anna, who happens to be there, like, why would you do it in front of the girl that you're trying to fucking fuck that you just met from the bar? Like, I'm going to bring her home. We're going to fucking get it on. But first, let me go beat my fucking brother. Like, and she's just like, oh, okay, no, well, okay, well, that's just the way things go, then everything like there. And Lucas is, like, looking over, like, who the fuck are you, and why are you trying to talk to me? Like, you're not here. This is an A and B conversation. See you the way the fuck out of this shit. All right, well, I'll see you next Tuesday. So, <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, but <laughs> it's so bad when I can make myself laugh at stupid fucking jokes. But... We then go over to the next day, and she makes breakfast, you know, trying to be like this, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to be hanging out here a little more. Like, in my mind, Anna is not somebody that he's only been seeing for, like, the night before, right? Like, the fact that they're actually kind of dating, or he's been, like, talking with her, and he's met her at the bar a bunch of times, and it just happens to be here this time that, you know, they met again. Or maybe that's, like, their kink, right? 
It's like, oh, I'm going to meet you at the bar tonight. You know, if you like pina coladas, do you remember that song? Yeah, I do. I think it would be fun to role play like that. I'll pretend that I don't know who you are and that you're just picking me up tonight. But I know you got a brother at home. Don't worry. I'll still let you put your trunk inside my butt. And, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, that's that's what we're going to do. You know, this is going to be great. And, yeah. You know, I should start writing fucking slap face fan fiction. That's what I really should be doing between Anna and this Tom Brady wannabe motherfucker. Uh, but nonetheless, I bet you that's why he's fucking called Tom, too. They, like, looked at him and you're like, ooh, originally the name was going to be Joe, okay? Or it was going to be Nathaniel. Yeah, well, you're going to be Nathaniel, Nathaniel and Lucas. But then I looked at you, and you look like Tom Brady. So we're just going to call you Tom because Tom is dreamy. A fucking A piece of shit. Uh, but nonetheless, so, you know, he gets up in the morning, though they do, she tries to make breakfast, he looks over there and he's like, he definitely has that look on his face, like, are you really trying to be my mom? Because you're not going to be my mom. In fact, you would never be my mom, because that would be weird. That means that Tom, you know, he'd be my fucking dad, and that ain't fucking happening, unless, you know, weird shit happened, but he's not old enough to for that type of weird shit to happen. Uh, but, and then you even heard it in the little scene before where he, again, you know, the sheriff, I guess was involved with the mom said that he really loved the mom, but you know, here Lucas would not let him in and Lucas wouldn't let him in because he didn't want to see his mom with anybody else. Right. Like it wasn't good enough. He wished dad was still around and wouldn't let her fucking move on. And then the sheriff is no longer there. So he ignores the breakfast goes out to wherever he's going to go out, and that's when he runs into his other bullies, uh, this group of girls. There's the twins, and there's Moira, or Mora, or whatever the fuck her name is, uh, Moriah. That's what her name is, Moriah. And, uh, yeah, he gets uh, a little bit of a rude awakening. choose fast say you're sorry sorry for whatever i've done i don't believe you get off ow why did you steal mariah's notebook and her pen why did you steal mariah's notebook and her pen she gave it to me you're a liar tell the truth Stop stalking Mariah, little turd face. She doesn't even like you. Now, nod your head and say yes! Yes! Yes, okay! Get up! Get away. Wait. How bad do you want to be part of the night sheets? 
girls only. We can make him pull his pants down. How about a dare? Okay, so these girls are just absolutely terrorizing Lucas. And the, so you have uh, Mariah played by Maribel Lee, and then you have twins playing Donna and Rose, right? And it's the Ambrosio twins. And I, I don't know what the importance of them are, but they like made sure to know that, hey, it's the, the, the Ambrosio twins. And at the beginning, I didn't think they were twins. Okay, this is going to sound terrible because this was in my notes and I just didn't know their names yet. All I said was, well, there's the fat one and there's the less fat one. And <laughs> they, they didn't, they dressed them differently, but the way that they were dressed, and again, this is going to sound really terrible, really, really, really really fucking terrible but the way they were dressed like one i guess maybe that she was wearing like looser clothing so i didn't notice like the way the body was where the other one it looked like she was fat right it's just the way it is I'm not body shaming anyone you know i'm not a <laughs> thin guy myself but it was just like i need to take notes and then there was and then of course there's Mariah here and Mariah is an interesting character in terms of her relationship with Lucas that we will slowly get into again as the movie moves along. I know I, I always do these things. I want to talk about all these characters, but if you've never seen this movie, I kind of want to let everything portray itself out as the movie does itself. Uh, and you can tell that she's not a hundred percent into this, right? The other two, they are just loving the fact that this kid is being bullied by them. They can do what they want. They're fucking bitches, right? And they're just terrorizing this fucking kid. And he's just like, like, I don't even know what I did. And they're throwing rocks at him as he's running away. And they're chasing him down. And honestly, just like there's something that happens with the brother a little later on. And, you know, he just doesn't want to take his anger out on them, right? And there's another scene that happens later in the movie as we kind of digress into like asking ourselves, are things that are going to happen in this movie the way they are as we see, or are they different? And it's hard with a movie like this to try to do some of these things because, and I can get it in some regards, but it, well, again, we'll talk about when we get there because that is at the end of the movie when, when we're talking about these. But I just want everybody to be thinking about whether or not these things are actually happening or is it something else that's going on so you know you have mariah here as they're like pushing him into the ground and beating him and throwing rocks she's not doing any of that shit and they're basically thinking like the way that it feels is that you know he stole her notebook or whatever it is and they are like there's no way there's no way this little fucking turd would ever do this and you know it's it's funny with the whole thing. She's like, well, maybe they, she wants to join, you know, he wants to join our crew. And they're like, well, like, well, let's prove that he's a fucking boy. Let's fucking see that wiener. And it's like, it's one of those things like you're bullying him because you probably think he's cute. And, you know, it, it's one of those, well, let's find out whether or not you're a boy or not. Wink, wink. You know, let's see that penis. Wink, 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 wink. We just want to make sure you're not a girl. And so that way, because if you are a girl, then you can definitely join our things. But if you're not, you're not, you know, we're, we're not just looking at you to see your wiener, but we're just, you know, making sure that you can join our crew and that you feel diminished by the fact that we're calling you a girl and that you don't have a wiener. Or if you do, it's really small. So it looks like a vagina, 
right? And it sucks because, again, like, I don't think Lucas really deserves this. And there's a lot of turmoil that you can tell within him at that at the death of his mother, more so than the death of the father, but the death of his mother and not being able to process that in the right way. And that more or less, that's kind of as we move along in the movie. You can see why things happen as we meet the witch, right? And the way they go, and I think it really comes down to the fact that he just doesn't know how to deal with the fact that his mother's not there anymore. So they basically dare him to go inside this building, which is the building from the beginning of the movie, that he put the picture of his mother into the ground, and he's broken in multiple times, and he's been caught by the police before inside this building. So, you know, he's now going to take the dare, and he's going to become part of their crew, and, you know, basically, I, I don't know. But at least at this point, you don't know. But you kind of find out in just a little bit. So while they're taking him to his dare, we cut back over the house. And that's where we see the brother and the, the soon-to-be new girlfriend, Anna, sitting in bed post-coitus. And that's where we get a little more into kind of like the backstory or the influences at least on Tom's life and we kind of get that juxtaposition of is he more like his father or his mother and I feel that that's what we're going for is that Lucas is kind of representative of his mother in their parents relationship where you know Tom is definitely closer to what the father was because the assumption is is that the father was also abusive and that's why Tom is taking things on in this way and you know well let's get into the conversation you want to go to town for what i'm gonna go shopping get a purse yeah is that better than what do you want to stay here and chop wood and stuff is that <laughs> isn't that i'm scary being all the way out here in the woods no want to know why i'm gonna show you something Got it from my dad. Wanna hold it? Okay. Scary. It's loaded. Really? Yeah. Keep a loaded gun next to your bed? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so he's not a weirdo at all, right? And, okay, I have nothing against people that have guns or like guns or do anything shooting it personally. And I think I've said it before. I'm never going to fire one. and I I really don't want to be around one like ever. You know, I I have people in my family that have been a part of law enforcement. I know people in my family that have done dumb shit with guns. And that turns me off from the whole situation. I know people that own guns that are not part of my family. All these things. I really don't care. Like, it's just not me. But just the way that he is, like, he feels, it feels like he feels so superior. Like, yeah, I know. Like, that, why do you feel so safe out here? Well, I've got a gun. And if anybody tries to do anything, I'm just going to fucking kill them. And you can tell that she's a little taken back by it. But at the same time, she's got that little bit of intrigue. Like, 
you know, the stereotype of the women like the bad boy, and here he is being the bad boy. You know, he beats his brother, <laughs> slaps him across the face whenever he does something wrong, and now he's got a gun at the side of the bed? Oh man, I made the right fucking choice. He's not going to leave me for a fucking supermodel once I get pregnant. No, no way. He's never going to do that shit to me. You hear that, fucking Tom? You're just like this fucking Tom in this movie. You're a fucking asshole. But nonetheless, um... <laughs> I'm going to keep yelling about Tom Brady today. I don't know why, but you know what? It's perfect. He's an asshole. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people that agree. I know too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's again, it's just a little weird because they're lying in bed and the fact that the gun's loaded and she just grabs it and she's like, he's very carefree about it when he pulls it out. And it's not until he's like, want to hold it? And he's not talking about his dick and he's you know, he, it's fully loaded after he hands it to her and she's like totally mishandling the gun. It's, it's just weird. It's a weird situation where he thinks it's impressive, but she's a little like both in, in the way that she does stuff. Like she's a little turned on at the same time that she, you can tell she's a little bit scared at the situation. Like it, she's just not that comfortable being in the bed with him. And especially after she sees the gun, it's like, wait, it's loaded. It stays loaded. Like, why would you keep it loaded at the side of the bed? Like, what are you worried about that you do this with your gun? Right. And that, that's a big question for the movie too. Cause yeah, I get it. They live in the middle of nowhere. They want it for protection, those types of things. But at the same time, you, you keep it right there like what are you doing or what is so bad that you think something's going to come after you that you're going to kill it right it's it's just odd so we go back over to now the bullies and lucas and lucas has gone inside the building and they've told him that if he wants to be part of whatever their special little club is he has to grab from something from inside of the building and bring it to them they ask him kind of like what's going on in there because he's and he has to be in there for five minutes right and then grab something and it's funny because you know, he's been in there so much, he knows what it's like. And it kind of likes, it looks like the school in Silent Hill with all the papers and weird shit on the, I'm pretty sure the fog's going to roll in, the bell's going to fucking sound, it's going to change, and some weird fucking nurse is going to come out of the middle of nowhere and slice his fucking arm off or some shit. Or maybe Pyramid Head's going to come down. And honestly, this movie has a lot in comparison to that type of story between like what pyramid hit means to the, the main character in silent hill 2 in the game not necessarily the movie but what it means to the character compared to what this virago witch means to lucas in this film so he goes through and he, and he says to them like when they ask him what's in there what does it look like he's like oh there's blood everywhere and there's stuff that's scary on the walls and it's just like He's doing it in the perfect voice because he knows that this is going to get, like, he's going to be able to avoid whatever's happening. And they're afraid to go in there and they think it's a punishment. But to him, it's absolutely nothing because he goes in there all the fucking time. So eventually he gets into one of the room after he makes some noise because he wants to scare him like he's being attacked in there. And then he gets in this room and he sees this little figurine. He grabs the figurine. Then all of a sudden around him, he hears a noise and there's really something there. And that's where we see the Virago witch for the very first time. And it goes to grab him and it starts smothering him. Like it's like killing him, choking him. And then it like hugs him. And then we cut over and we see that he's now lying out in the middle of the woods on the floor, like on the grass out there. And Moriah is standing above him 
and you know she explains a couple things to him and this is where we get the other side of their relationship what happened sorry i ran away did you see it see what okay i don't want us to break up are we dating no it's just me and you no one else will ever know it's our secret mariah listen something okay so this is weird right because what we saw before is that she was part of the bullies and she was basically bullying him too and she was acting like a bitch and that's basically what she was doing is she was acting and she does explain a little later on in the film and she does apologize to him in a couple different times because he's like well she's like they're the only friends that she has in town. Like she doesn't have anybody else that she's friendly with and that she's probably grown up with these people. And they're like, honestly, when we see like their house, they're rich. Right. And so they feel like they're the rich kids of the community and they can just do whatever the fuck they want because they come from fucking money so they can bully and, and treat people the way they want. And ultimately, you know, we find out the way that they treat her too, but she's just like, yeah, she really did give him the book, right? She really did. She really does like him. Of course, you can kind of tell from the way that she does as they like leave. And then she tries to get him involved with them. It's not a bullying thing that she's doing to him. It's oddly like, I'm going to make you a part of my life, a part of my community. So they'll one, stop bullying you. Two, maybe realize how cool you are. And three, then allow me to start dating you because they don't want me to like have anything to do with you. Even though I like you. Like, this is that kid weird, like, again, that's why I think this is like junior high, high school type of era. Like, for these kids where you have this, I like you, but I can't show you I like you. Or this like Prince in the Popper, not necessarily Prince in the Popper. Um, I don't know why I was thinking about Prince and the Popper, but you know, high class, low class movie, let's say pretty woman. Okay. Nobody wants you to date a fucking Muppet, but you really like the Muppet and you're such a higher class than the Muppet is that you just, you can't help but fall in love with the Muppet. So you decide to like forego at the end of the movie, then you're with the Muppet, even though she's, you know, she's a fucking prostitute on the street and she can't fucking talk with her fucking mouth, like gaping open all the time and her hair going like crazy. I mean, she's made out of fucking cloth. She's a fucking Muppet and you're Richard Gere. You know, it's just one of those things where you like what you like. You like who you like. You're interested in who you're interested. Who cares if, you know, she has barely act, any acting talent and, you know, flops around all the time. That's your Muppet and you want to date that Muppet. So from here, we then go back over to the brother and Anna and we see that he's now teaching her how to shoot the gun because I guess she's come comfortable with it. And it's kind of like you're seeing two sides and two different relationships develop in this movie. You've got the relationship of Lucas and Mariah, which is like a secret hidden relationship where she's still treating him like shit, even though she knows she shouldn't be treating him like shit. And then you have Anna and Tom, who's having like the whirlwind romance at the same time, where 
they meet in the most weird of situations just at a bar. I guess, I mean, that's not weird. Maybe it's weird nowadays that people don't meet so much in person or just randomly in a place and then start fucking dating. Uh, they may just start fucking, but that's a different thing that's going on there. Uh, and so it looks like theirs is a better relationship right? More mature, more, you know, straightforward. She's really into the stuff that he's into, but you know that there's a little bit that's being held back in that situation from Anna in the way that she responded to the whole gun thing. Whereas with Mariah, she really wants to pursue this and she wants this relationship with Lucas, but she's afraid of what it will look like. So one's very outward, but has I think inward problems where the other one's very inward, but has a better chance of surviving being a real relationship. If she doesn't fucking do something stupid to Lucas, which of course may or may happen. Who knows? We're just gonna have to see how the movie plays out. So we go to dinner the next night and we see that, you know, because the relationship is going so well between Lucas and not Lucas, I'm sorry, between you know, our Tom Brady looking motherfucker and Anna over here that she really is kind of in, in, in a way I do feel like these type of things that maybe she is overstepping her boundaries in terms of the relationship, but because it seems like everything's going so well, so fast, or that this is just type the person Anna is because she's kind and caring and she really wants to be the mother figure, or at least like she's worried about Lucas, even though there really is nothing there just yet in terms of a, I want to say like a familial type of relationship, because you know how it is. You date somebody or, you know, you, you see somebody or become friends with somebody and they have a sibling and then you become friendly with that sibling or at least you try. And especially if it's a much younger sibling, you kind of treat them like they're your brother or they're your sister. And, you know, she tries to, but Lucas doesn't really like that type of thing. And he has a hard time letting people in, as we see in the dinner scene that they have that following night. What the fuck, guys? It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, ouch, what happened to your hand? Nothing. Usually I'm the chef around here, so. Yeah, well, maybe maybe we can make something together sometime. I yeah. make a mean bibimbap, so. What's this one? <laughs> Is it a chick playing the ukulele? That one I got in Jersey. She's got some pretty nice boobs, kind of like somebody else I know. I need, to, <laughs> I need to take my pants off. Do you want to help me? Saw a monster today. What? Nothing. Cut myself. Wait. Can't Come on, he's fine. I think that you should put some, um, you should put some ice on it. No, some, uh, some iodine. Wait, uh, maybe I... He knows where the iodine is. I'll let you guys have your date. Wait, no, you haven't even finished your food. Don't worry about him. He's fucking Chuck Norris. Wait, he's, he's Chuck Norris? Does that mean that he doesn't read books? He just stares them down until he gets the information that he wants? Or does that mean he doesn't sleep, he waits? Or that there is no chin behind his beard, even though he doesn't have a beard, there's only another fist? Like, what does it mean that he's fucking Chuck Norris, okay? Does it mean he drinks napalm to fight his fucking heartburn? Or, you know, on the seventh day, God rested, and then on the next day, he took over? What's going on here? What does it mean by the fact that he's fucking Chuck Norris, other than he can take all the extra pain and everything like that? But you see, like... He tries to 
get a response from from the group there by saying that he saw a monster and the brother just fucking you know he tom brady's this ship he doesn't fucking care he just goes on doing whatever he's doing and fuck you know his pregnant wife as he goes off and fuck some other model out there like he just more worried about getting his fucking dick wet in the situation where and even he says to his brother she's got ni- nice boobs like somebody else i know like who else who are you talking about? Are you talking about Mariah? Because that's quite disturbing if you're saying that. Like, I get it. It's like a brother thing, right? It's a jest. You know, I, it's weird. Not weird, but it's one of those things. I grew up with a sister, so I can't be like, you know, making jokes with my sister like that. If she was a lesbian, maybe there would be something like that. I'm pretty sure, but we're also relatively close in age. You know, she doesn't go and say like, you know, her husband, man, he's got a nice fucking dick. You know, like somebody else I know. Are you talking about me? Because I wouldn't want you comparing your husband's dick to mine. Like, that's not the way that things are going to go here. You know, or me saying to her, you know, she's got nice boobs. She's got a nice crotch rocket, if you know what I mean. Wait, she's not supposed to have a crotch rocket. You do know this, right? What? What? That's that's not what a vagina looks like? No, no that's what your fucking penis looks like. Oh, no. Is this sleepaway camp? No. Okay, it's just one of those things. Uh, but, you know, it's just weird because he's so much younger than him if he's talking about boobs and he's like, nice boobs like somebody else I know. Like, who else would would Lucas have seen boobs? Like, the only person that I would think whose boobs that he would have seen by this point might have been in his mom's when she was, like, you know, still around and he was like younger because i'm pretty sure at some point we always bathe we're not always but we somehow bathed with our parents at some point and we remember being naked around them or with them not necessarily your dad because that would be really weird but definitely with mom i mean is is that weird is that one of those things i mean i remember being like four and it happening because she brought me in the shower with him uh but it's not weird right right it's not weird okay it's not weird. Um, these are things that people don't need to know about me, part 25, but I say them live on a fucking podcast. But nonetheless, uh, <laughs> it's just a weird thing to fucking say to your younger brother when you're talking about boobs. I get it. You know, you want to, like, be that thing. Like, And honestly, I wish I had a brother at some times growing up because of things like this, right? Like, there was no one for me to talk to about girls when I was growing up. My dad was not the person that I was going to talk to about girls. You know, there were my friends. But when I was at home, I'm not going to talk to my sister about the chick I saw in class today and what a fucking rack she had on her or look at that turd cutter she's got on her. Nothing like that. Can't say that to my sister. Another brother would have been nice. And I bet you my sister thought the same thing. She would have wanted a sister to talk about these type of things with her as well. And I feel like I've had this conversation before. But nonetheless, I digress. And, you know, but she automatically jumps in and she catches it where Tom just doesn't give a shit. Right. And then she tries to be that nurturing person, you know, and then he's like, oh, nothing. I just I I cut myself today. And then when she tries to, like, get in, he doesn't want to have her like get in. He's just like, nope, I'm gonna let you guys have your date. I'm fucking leaving. Just don't worry about it. And that's where the brother's like, oh, no, he's fine. Just, you know, he's fine. Don't worry about him. You know, he's fucking Chuck Norris. He's, uh, you know, got shit going on and all these things. He's, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Let's go fuck. Let's just do it. And so 
we then cut to the next day where we see Lucas once again walking through the woods. And when he wakes up, he notices this trail of blue flowers that are all along the ground. And it's like it's the same color of blue that Mariah has on her hair, right? Her hair, which is absolutely beautiful, by the way, has this like nice blue streak in the front. And it looks almost like that, like he's following that color of blue back to the house in the middle of the woods. And he begins looking around. He doesn't really find anything until he's back out in the woods. And that's where he runs face to face with the Virago witch once again where she grabs him, he screams bloody murder for help, and then she brings him to, like, a canyon to appreciate the beauty of the place that he lives in. Like, the sun is out there, it's at the perfect time, and he just kind of looks over there, looks at her, realizes that she's not going to do anything to him, and then they go back into her, like, little play place and start playing with a lamp that they just keep turning up higher, down lower, up higher, down lower. And it seems like the best game ever. I mean, don't you want to play that type of thing? Meanwhile, Mariah, she's come by the house and looking for him. And then she just leaves right away once Tom asks what's going on. Well, she goes up to the door, she knocks. And when Tom shows up and says, hey, he's not here. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then she just leaves. Like she's embarrassed that she's interested in Lucas and doesn't want anybody to know because that a big thing would be made out of it and you know the fact that she believes that they're dating but he just wasn't sure that that was what was going on and so eventually he does come back to the house and I didn't catch the line and I love the line that he does when he talks about him you know, and he talks about the girl that's coming where he starts giving like the brotherly thing, like the just like, oh, she's into you. Oh, you got a little girlfriend over here. And he's just like, oh, whatever. And he goes back into the house. And then he says something, I think, in regarding him and Anna's relationship. And Lucas goes, why don't you go get yourself a glass of shut the fuck up? <laughs> and I think that's one of the best lines in the fucking movie. It made me laugh out loud. And so they go inside. And once again, we have... Again, Anna trying to be the positive figure in his life, the nurturing figure in his life, where like in the talk about elephants earlier, where she's really being mama elephant and she's trying to give him the best of both worlds where, you know, that's the thing that he's really missing. But he he here he kind of lets her in, but doesn't fully. And you can see after this that the the, the Virago witch also becomes one of these figures in his life, but it's weird that that's the one that he decides to let in. So let's listen on the girlfriend conversation with poor Lucas. So I saw your friend sneaking around. What friend? You know, your girlfriend. She didn't bring me the flowers, if you're wondering. I like her funky blue hair. There she was, a breeze. Then she was a tree, then she was a witch. Virago, 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 Virago. Is she the monster? Is she the one that's, she the one that's hurting you? She doesn't hurt me. She's my friend. Hey, did you know that I'm a witch? Check it out. 
I'm a Wiccan. It's like good witchcraft. Their premises harm none, so it's not all drinking blood and sacrificing babies. How you become a Wiccan? I had a broom or something? Yeah. <laughs> no, my dad was an evangelical. Do you know what that is? I haven't seen him in 15 years. Mm. My parents are dead. So what'd you guys talk about? Monsters. That's cool. We both got girlfriends now. No, we don't. No means no and always wear a condom. So we have two different types of conversations that are going on here. One is the very nurturing, like she's really trying to figure out what's inside Lucas's head and kind of break him out of that shell, right? Find the beautiful flower that's inside the bud that's slowly blossoming in front of her and understand with, you know, the whole thing. Like first she's prodding him about the girlfriend too, right? But she's not doing it in a way where brothers will jest with each other, kind of like what we hear at the end of the conversation between Tom and him. And then she starts going into, she wants to know, like, with the witch, like, is it something real? Is the monster real, right? Or is it something else that's going on in his life? You know, is the monsters, what she doesn't know about, is it the bullies that he has? Which includes Mariah, right? And nobody knows that Mariah is bullying him along with the other girls, but she's doing that just primarily because you know, she wants to be in the good graces of these two fucking bitch twins that are, um, you know, think that the the best thing since fucking sliced bread, but the only thing that's better than sliced bread is fucking Betty White, okay? So Betty White is way better than these two bitches right here, and, or was better, you know, rest in peace, Betty. Uh, but you you have that, and, you know, are they, are, is, are the, the troubles that he has, is that the monster that he sees? And that ultimately becomes the question, you know, as we move along in the movie, is the Virago witch real, right? Is it real or is it just a manifestation that he's making to deal with the problems that he has, right? And a lot of it, as we begin to get towards the, you know, the middle and end of the movie as we start into the second act now, is the Virago witch uh, an embodiment of his anger that he's holding back? anger at everybody and everything right or is it really a monster that is what is going to be left up to the viewer to decide but they really don't ask that question they, they hint at it here right with this conversation but we don't get asked that question until we really get towards the end of the film and so here we have this nurturing and she's really trying to understand. And then we go back out to Tom and Tom is just basically, you know, treating these women like in the, well, no, you know, this is the best thing. Like basically trying to say that just keep pushing them away and eventually they'll come to you because that's the way that it works. You treat the woman bad and then the woman's going to come back to you like a fucking puppy dog. At least that's where I'm kind of, a, you know, doing it. It's not like a, a no doesn't always mean no. It's like no is the best solution for women, 
right? You tell them no, and they are going to suck it up, and they're going to come back to you because they want something that they don't have. That is my interpretation of it. I could be completely wrong, but with the way the movie goes and how Tom acts in certain situations, that really is. Because Tom is really, as we've seen so far, he's really devoid of emotion, right? He doesn't really care what goes on with his brother. Right now, he's completely wrapped in his relationship. That's what he wants. That's what he has. And that's what he's dedicating his time to rather than dedicating his time to help raising his brother because his brother needs a father figure in his life. I, again, I can't say that I've ever been in this situation and I don't know how hard this would be, but I do understand that, you know, if I ever, I guess I have to relate it back to a couple things like, uh, a ex-girlfriend of mine that had a brother that was really like autistic and meeting him for the first time and then just dealing like dealing with him is such a wrong word but encouraging him and showing him and being like a brother to him and even though you know we only dated for about a year and a half ish and it, it was just an interesting time because i wanted to connect with him because i knew that it, he was important to my girlfriend because that's her brother that is you know he has you know, learning problems and behavioral problems, but I can see the good in what he does. And that's kind of what, you know, Anna is doing in this film. She's getting closer to Tom and she knows and she worries about both of them, but she's a little more worried about him because as we're going to learn some things later, there are other things with in her life that she's seeing in his brother, Lucas, that worries what's going on. So, from here, we, we fade over and we go into th that evening where Mariah is talking on the phone with Lucas. And Lucas is talking a little bit more about Anna. Drunk brother with a new girlfriend. It's like she lives here now. Do you like her? She says she's a witch. She good or bad? I don't know. Can never make a spell to kill the twins. I'm sorry they're so mean to you. But they're my only friends. You know how it is. Can I come over? What, to my house? Yeah, right now. No, my mom would flip out. She's nuts. She might really like me. No, she's totally crazy. Like, pick up a chair and shake it around type of crazy. My mom's bipolar, you know? That doesn't... Scare me. You there? Where'd you go? Uh, I'm, I'm right here. Talking to you. So there's some weird noises that are coming from outside, and it happens to be the witch that's now hanging out outside of the house because she's super interested in Lucas. And no, not in that way. It's a weird type of relationship that, you know, he's... Again, like if you look back on it and I could say here that, you know, it, this makes a case for it being his like anger and his like pent up, you know, <laughs> like fears and everything being bottled up together and now manifesting itself at the house because he's upset by the relationship that his brother and Anna have, which right now looks perfect. Right, they're in the, the kitchen, they're dancing to the slow music, 
as he's talking to the girl that is his girlfriend, right? And he's like, well, can I come over? How about right now? And she's like, no, which again, it actually makes total sense. Like he says tomorrow. He's like, no, now, how about now? And she's too young for him to just be going over there in the middle of the night to go see her. You know, what is he trying to get the same relationship that his brother has where, you know, he's knocking boots with Mariah over here and, you know, sneaking in, getting the kiss because she he kisses her earlier in the film when they first are talking after they get, you know, he's found in the middle of nowhere. And then she wipes the kiss from her lips. And it's like <laughs> it, it, she she likes him, but doesn't want that affection just yet or she's thrown off guard or she's like trying to be like still strong and like show who who does she have to show out there she the twins aren't around he doesn't kiss her in front of the fucking twins which here he's like i wish you would make a spell and kill those fuckers and she's like i'm sorry they're so mean to you but you're mean too why aren't you apologizing for you that's the situation that makes me so mad about the relationship they have here. And it sucks for fucking Lucas. Lucas is such a tragic character in this movie that it like honestly hurts my heart when I watch him on the screen, the shit that he goes through. And then he pisses me off because he does stupid fucking shit later on in the movie. It's like, okay, why are you doing this stuff? But I get it after the way the movie ends. I understand why they were doing these things. And there's one main scene that really throws me off and I can, I can get it why they, they do the whole thing to make you think. And then this weird scene isn't necessarily the scene that would be the one that would be like, well, it has to be the witch type of scene, but we'll, we'll get into that as we get towards the end. Cause it is at the end of the movie and it's just, it seems so ridiculous that he just is so put down by everybody from his brother who doesn't uh, like appeal to his emotions because there's definitely emotions that he needs to express. But the only way that they can deal with it is by slapping each other in the face because that's the only way the brother knows how to deal with having any type of emotion for anything that's going on. And then you have Mariah here who she can't deal with the fact that she really likes Lucas and but wants to keep this facade and the facade is more important to her than it is in being in a healthy relationship with somebody that you really like and then you have Anna who just wants to be she's the most sympathetic like person in this movie outside of Lucas that I feel so much for because she really does you know, at this point in the movie, we don't know how much time has passed, but she really seems like she loves or is falling in love with Tom. And then that night after they have this conversation, the witch comes around, the witch scrapes up the car. Cause she's like, bitch, I don't like your fucking car. I'm going to key your shit trying to like sympathize with my little boy. Hell no, you can't do this shit. I'm going to fuck your shit up instead. And like rubs her nails all over the side, which which is dumb because Anna never makes a fucking comment about it, but she probably doesn't because, you know, after everything, it seems like everything's so magical and Anna tries to talk to Tom about Lucas, Lucas gets upset and kicks her the fuck out of the house because he can't deal with, like, his brother. He only wants to deal with what he wants to deal with, which is just being in this relationship with Anna and fucking the shit out of her. That's it. 
That is all he's thinking. He's just thinking about beer and his fucking dick. And I noticed that all the beer he drinks is fucking Coors Light. And no wonder why he's drinking it and not really seem like he's that much of a drunk. Because that's basically just water. He's just, you know, hydrating himself. That's all he's really doing with a Coors Light. He's not getting drunk. He's got to drink like 35 of those to feel tipsy. So here he is. You know, maybe he's just shotgunning fucking Coors Light in front of her and you know, she's not arguing about that, but she's just worried about what's going on with Lucas. So he kicks her out of the house because, you know, that's the way it goes. The next morning, Lucas goes over, tries to go and see Mariah and basically cash in his bet that he had with the twins and her. And of course, everybody, including Mariah, treats him like absolute shit. Hey! Rose, don't Ew, look at us. I got this from Wakefield. Yeah, nobody pays attention. I'm just ignoring no, that. No, you listen. Aw, are you a loser like your brother? Yeah, loser. Is that why you want to join the nightshade? To not be Jesus a loser? Jesus Christ, guys. We made a deal. I think he wants to get in with us. Aww. Huh? Is that it? Aw, cute. Want to get in with us? Ew, stop. Ew. Ew. Is it the no penises in the pool. God, get out. Ugh, get, get out. That's so disgusting. Yep. So you know that song, that old saying, no penises in the pool. No penises in the pool. It's just not cool. No penises in the pool. Not cool. No penises in the pool. That means you. Um, no, that's not a real song. Uh, but I wish it was. <laughs> Put some nice, like, little funky beats behind it and uh, maybe a little bit of uh, slapping bass there. And you've got yourself a nice hit that you'll have in every fucking strip club in the world. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, they're all fucking dead. But Mariah, at least at this point, she's trying. She's trying to be a little sly, just like she was at the beginning of the movie, because I feel at times like she wants him to be accepted so that she doesn't have to be so secretive about the relationship, right? But she's not going about the right way. She's still treating him like trash, and he could see her treating him like trash, right, to get to this situation, because he doesn't, like, she's not fighting for him, you know, automatically, they're making fun of him, and they're just doing whatever they were doing just to bully him, right, and she just has this weird warp thing in her mind where if we just, if they just hang out, everything will be cool, and if everything's cool, then, you know, he can be here and then I'll be able to date him and then we'll be perfectly fine rather than have this like secret hidden relationship, which if they're always hanging out together, like, isn't it weird? Wouldn't you notice something if you were friends? Like where's she at? Oh, you know, I don't know. Like why would mom not know where her kid is, right? Who she was hanging out with, you know? Oh, she said she was going to hang out with you guys. Well, she's not hanging out with us. Well, you know, then where could she possibly be? I don't know. Just out in the forest fucking jerking off. I don't know. You know, oh, wait, what about Lucas? Maybe he's doing something. Because even later on, once again, towards the end of the the, the movie, there's another scene that, like, (laughs) the way that she explains it all and how she, like, hides it from them is so terrible because it fucks with Lucas once again. Like, he likes her a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. He wants that relationship, 
you know, and especially when he sees like he, even though he calls him his drunken brother in the other scene, which is true, it's you know his brother's a drunk, fucking drinks before he goes to fucking work as does in the next morning, and here you know he he's just like he just gets fucked again, again not in a good way either, you know they just he starts to strip to get in the pool and then there's no penises in the pool so he fucking has to leave you know and he just storms off throwing the little thing at them uh to which she just looks with a giant smirk on her face mariah does while the other two laugh at him as he runs away he then goes back over to the witch and then they hang out and she basically is like creating a Again, it's like these creepy situations, but he seems so comforting and content uh, in just being around the witch at these points. And honestly, like I didn't really mention it before, but the two scenes that we had are quite thrilling and quite shocking, right? The very first time that we see the witch, she just pops out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there is the jump scare fucking music that goes loud when you see the witch, but it's genuinely creepy. Right, because he's in there and like seems like everything's okay, and then all of a sudden when he starts like, oh shit, there's something else in here with me. Then here out pops the witch, and it just fades to black after she grabs him. And then the second time it's the same thing. He's out there in the woods and he's just looking around and he's trying to find her because he's following this trail of flowers to which eventually you know she leaves him at his doorstep, and. Then all of a sudden, middle of nowhere, here pops out the goddamn witch, which honestly, the makeup is okay. The makeup is not not the greatest in the world. Like literally, they said, hey, give me the witch from Snow White, but make her taller. And that's what you got with the long fucking nose. And I think there's a reason for that other than like budgetary purposes, because this movie, I don't think had a very big budget and it did have a theatrical run, but it only made like $16,000 in the theatrical run. And I think there is something that if we're going with this whole thing that it's a manifestation that, you know, Lucas is doing, the look is fine. But if we're really trying to make this like a monster witch type thing, it's just a little cheesy. That That's all. I mean, the hands are okay, but the face definitely, it's more prosthetic than anything else. And it's very easy to kind of tell that type of thing. It doesn't look terrible, but doesn't look very good at the same time either. So, you know, he goes out there this last time after, you know, now becoming friendly to the witch and we don't have the scares that we had before. Um, and he goes out there and eventually does, you know, find her and she is basically making something to clean his hand. And she's basically treating him like that's her child. Right. That's where I kind of feel like she's if she is a manifestation, he's mixing his mom into that as well. And I think there can be something said about the mother and the the anger type of thing that's going on with this witch. And and maybe if we look back on it, maybe there was like I said, I think we need to look at these two characters as, you know, progenies of their parents and representation of their parents and the relationship that possibly his mom and his dad had in the way that Tom and him have, which is just it's it's a little weird. So he goes, you know, she puts the, the weird mixture of dirt and mud and whatever the fuck that she's mixing together her spit and puts it over his cut so that it can heal like it's some, you know, ancient witch secret that she's got. Because who knows, maybe she's Wiccan too and she does some other type of things. And then 
uh, when he leaves, he suddenly like hears in the distance this dog, and the dog comes out of the middle of nowhere and starts chasing him. And eventually, before it's about to catch him, the Virago Witch comes out, grabs the dog, and in a weirdly surprising uh it's weird that the movie goes this way. She snaps the dog in half, like literally picks up the dog and you see her snap it in half. Like it's a little off screen, but it's really quick where you can see the, like a snap and then a bone sticking out and blood going everywhere. And it was just shocking. It was really, really shocking, especially the way that everything is kind of gone in this movie, that that was the one thing that we're going to show. And honestly, the only thing that we're really going to show show, right? Because there's other things that the witch does that, you know, are violent-ish. But at least in the aftermath, this is the only time that we actually watch her kill, right? And it just happens to be with a dog, which, again, like I said, it's it's just shocking. It's not shocking that it's a dog. It's just in the way that it's done. And so they go back and they bury the dog inside of the rundown, you know, home mansion whatever the fuck you want to call it i think it's probably like an old school or something like that and then you know lucas says something about this is the third funeral he's been to and for his uncle and his mom and now this dog so that leads me to believe that the dad was probably killed a while ago or maybe they're doing killed and really the dad's just no longer in their life like he left and that's so you know he pulled a tom brady on them and basically left them and so now, when you know he's done that, he goes back over to the house, and he's cleaning himself up because after the the burial, the witch takes her bloody fucking dog bloody hand and then puts it on his face and then just rubs it down the side of his face and all the way down his fucking shirt. And now he's like, "Fucking bitch, I gotta clean this fucking. You know how hard it is get." dog blood out of this fucking shirt i wear this fucking jacket every goddamn day and now you're gonna make me have to go back there and wash it and guess what we don't have a fucking washer and dryer so i gotta do this on the outside and go get the scrubbing bucket and fucking scrub this shit out which is what he does and that's where anna slowly walks on him after being gone for two days after being mad with lucas for kicking her fuck out of the house and that's where they confront him about the dog's blood just dog's blood. Just tell us about it. We're here to listen. Why should I tell you? You weren't even here. You heard him, it was dog's blood. This isn't a joke. You guys need to talk to someone. Talk to who? You? I can listen, but it's not the same thing. The first sign of something going wrong, you just leave. You just up and ghost, and you don't even say goodbye. You don't even say, I don't know when you're going to come back. You can't just leave for two days and expect us to be all warm and fuzzy when you show up. That's what I thought. Wait, you're a stupid fucking son of a bitch. Do you understand this? Like, no offense to your fucking mother or anything like that, but this is the dumbest shit. And this is one of the reasons why I hate this character. I think I meant to hate this character, even though they try to make him sympathetic kind of towards the end of the fucking movie. But fuck this guy. Where his first thing, his brother is washing dog blood. Oh, it's only dog blood. What do you mean it's only fucking dog blood? Like, where did the dog blood come from? What did you do to the fucking dog? Like, what the hell happened? How did you get dog blood? What the fuck is going on? Like, these are the questions you should be asking. Not, oh, 
It's only fucking Dobler. Let's talk about our relationship and why you fucking left. You think we're going to be all fucking cheery with you? No, I'm not expecting that. But look, this kid, there's something fucked up going on here. And there's something fucked up in his fucking mind. He said he's seeing monsters. Now he's got fucking dog blood all over him. I bet you his girlfriend is fucking imaginary too, even though I saw her come around. So maybe she really isn't. But we're going to focus on why I left because you told me to fucking leave. Because again, I was worried about your brother and you don't want to fucking face these things. And here we are. Now we're going to fucking do this. We're going to argue about us and not about the worry of your fucking brother because she's right she can listen she can do what she can for him and she really does ultimately care for both of them but it's not the same as coming from a family member i mean if i did something fucked up like that and my sister was the only person that you know was around me and taking care of me my sister definitely would have been like what the hell's going on Things have been fucking weird. Why are you fucking doing this? But no, all they're going to do is probably play fucking slap face again. And then that's just going to wash everything and we're going to be fucking fine. So, so we then turn to the next morning as we see Lucas in bed and you know, he has a knock on the window and it's Mariah who's come to see him and tells him to come out with her. And so he ditches the house. And meanwhile, we go back into the kitchen in the morning and we see that Anna and Tom are arguing once again. And this is where the whole thing where like Tom is being forced to come face to face with what he does. And then she does say something within this, which makes me believe that the father was really abusive to the mother. And while he knows how to deal with it with him, he doesn't want to be like his dad in that way. And I could be totally wrong and I could be misinterpreting this, but well, let's just go with the scene. You know, my brother used to trap insects under glass and pour salt on them. He thought it was funny, too. Now he's in jail. Yep, and that's your brother. Stop telling me how to raise mine. My little brother is none of your fucking- Do you ever wonder what he does with himself? I mean, where he goes all day How about day you long. don't worry about him? If you want to talk, let's talk about No, and us. if he goes too far, you'll just you'll play a little game of slap face. I mean, where did you learn that? I'm not abusing my kid brother. It's not normal. Shut the fuck up! You don't get it. It's something just for us. Something to, to clear the shit away. Yeah, because all I'm seeing is some serious fucking chaos. What? What, are you going to hit me, too? I don't hit women. No. Just little boys. So, you know, she's right in what she's saying. I I can't argue that fact, right? And this starts treading into the theme of, like, and whether or not, you know, you believe in this or that it's a thing. And it, it is true. I'm, I'm To me, I believe that this is a thing. But, like, the whole idea of toxic masculinity, right? That men aren't meant to show emotions. That, that you just bottle everything up inside. And there's a lot of men in it. And I know that I am also very guilty of this. That there are things that I just don't let out. And then all of a sudden, when it just gets too much, it gets put out there in, you know, yelling or just being really angry or the emotions spilling out. And 
this is honestly something where, you know, I personally feel that, you know, therapy can work for some people, right? That everybody needs an outlet to do something. And what's your outlet, right? Especially when you're a guy, because as a, you know, a man, it's, it's not seen as being positive that you wear your emotions on your sleeve, that you just you cry when you need to cry, that you just, you know, let it out. That the only time I remember somebody saying that the only time that you should cry is at your father's funeral, right? Or your mom's funeral. Like that's the only time that you're allowed to cry. And that's fucking bullshit because you can cry at any time. It's just like saying that men can't be fucking abused because men can be abused just as much as women can be fucking abused. And whether or not I think either side is right, it's not. I can't use that as a fucking defense, right? Just because that, oh, it happens on this side. Well, look at this. This is the reason why. And it, it happens. It's out there. It's in our fucking face. And this movie is addressing it in a not I keep wanting to say weird but it's not a weird way it's just in a kind of upfront way right it's the, the and here's the question that I I have at the beginning of it and kind of why I talked about it and why I like horror in general here is this underlying theme the main focus of the movie or is it just an underlying theme and I feel that it kind of sets in itself into the second part for most of the movie and then it's really at this point where it kind of starts becoming the main theme of the movie and the the upfront thing to be thinking about like i feel like this movie kind of runs them side by side and this is where really where you can start thinking does the virago represent this toxic masculinity that they're trying to focus on and whether or not you want to watch a horror movie because it has these things and they're so upfront, it's kind of up to you, right? I'm not going to force anybody to be like, you have to see this movie, you have to do this because these things are so important. But talking about this is important, in my personal opinion, and and being not being afraid uh, as as a man to say that you've experienced this or that you you know currently you are being abused by somebody whether it's male female you know a father figure a mother figure somebody important in your life whatever it is you know for you to be able to be there and and at the end of the movie and I know this is getting way ahead of me there is a note about this and it talks more about bullies and saying that you or yourself has known anybody you need to you know you need to find the strength to basically speak up and and be an active not an activist but you know be able to get help for yourself before it becomes too late and and again that's a lot of the story with lucas and i think that's why he's such a sympathetic character because just like here that tom is saying they play this game of slap face just to get the shit out so they basically beat the shit out of each other and i bet you the way that he sees it and the way the movie's trying to portray the way that he sees it is because he's hitting him back right that there's anger that Tom has towards Lucas and instead of Tom just beating the crap out of him when he all he has to do just like what Anna's trying to do is just talk to him and hear him and understand what the hell is going wrong and be a fucking parent even though he does he's not a parent like it sucks I'm sorry that you had to take this role but guess what you're stuck doing this role it's like having a kid that you didn't want to have you're that kid's dad or you're that kid's mom Okay, and you still have to deal with the changes that go on in their life because you, Tom, had that 
readily available for you, right? That was in your life. You had your mom. And who knows how long ago that the mom died for Lucas here, but young enough to where the, you know, he, especially after dad left, you became the focus. And then the sheriff tried to take that role and be with your mom, but Lucas pushed him away until they broke up, until there was nothing left between the two of them. And it it sucks that this is the way that he has to experience the rest of his life. But at the same time, you, you've got Tom here that needs to take that role, you know, and, and there are plenty of people, there are plenty of great people that have done this, that have become the father figure or the main male figure in a boy's life, whether it's by choice or no choice, right? And you can't just go and start beating the crap out of him when you just think things are going the wrong way for you or that he did something that's wrong. That's just not the way to handle it, but that's the way that Tom currently handles it in his own life with his brother, which is just not the way to do things. And she's really trying to bring that to the forefront, but once again, he's just trying to focus on them because he doesn't want to deal with this bullshit, right? And it's not bullshit it's just that he doesn't want to deal with what's ever going on and he doesn't want to step into that role and actually have to think about this situation and then when she's just like you're gonna hit me and he's like i don't hit women and she's like no just little boys and he has to now come face to face with that reality that maybe what he's doing isn't the right thing and that's where i kind of think that you know because everything is supposed to kind of make you feel that he's got a lot of you know there's that distance. Maybe that's the way that their father treated them, that the father was distant for a lot of things and that he replaced, you know, the, the understanding, love, affection, or discipline with something else. Maybe he beat both of them or he beat Tom. And because that's the way Tom was raised, that's the only thing that he knows. And, and he doesn't want to, maybe the, the father beat the mom and he doesn't want to be that where he's like, you know, if anything, he can take it. I'm making him stronger, you know, by doing this type of thing where Lucas isn't that type of person. Lucas is honestly really fragile. He's extremely fragile. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know he's being bullied on by these girls every day because he doesn't take the chance to try and talk with him about anything. So it's it, it's become so, like, focused and at the front of everything uh, as you, well, this scene makes you think about it, I think even more. And it, again, it makes me not like Tom. It, it doesn't, I don't have any sympathy for him. And I definitely don't have any sympathy towards the end of the movie as he slowly starts to get into that world of he needs to change. And he's realizing that everything that Anna says from, you know, this point in the movie and back is totally true you know, especially when she was just like, you know, my brother, and you, now you realize the 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 reason that she's trying to reach out to the kid, and and may go back to the fact that her father was an evangelical preacher at the same time. It may go back that the you know they all thought it was cute and funny. Oh, oh, here we are. You know, your brother's putting these insects in bottles with you know fucking salt that's gonna fucking kill the fucking insect. Oh, that's funny, haha. And then he ended up being a fucking bad man. And the dad didn't want anything to do with him. And she's seeing the signs because she's experienced it. And like, look, if you just talk with him, maybe he won't end up like that. And, you know, if you don't, who knows what's going to happen with Lucas. 
So then we go ahead and we see from here, we go get the other relationship in the movie, which is Mariah and Lucas. And I know what you're probably saying it to yourself this time. Where's the fucking horror? Well, the horror exists. It's just different types of horror. And there really is a monster in this movie that you get to see constantly. And it's kind of, again, like I said, it's left up to your interpretation, but there are scenes of tension. There are scary things. And as we get to the third act, there's going to be more. But it is a story of that, too. It is a relationship story. It is a story about, you know, the, 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 the what being a man means. There is a story about bullying and abuse. It's all mixed. And the horrors that come out of it, and are they manifested? Is this a real witch or is this not? That is what you're you're kind of supposed to be, I think, focusing on in this movie, if, if you're asking me my opinion. So they're now going on a date, and he's trying to show Mariah what he is, like, into, where he goes. He's, like, trying to take her into the the house. He wants her to meet the witch, and she's a little, like, standoffish about the whole situation. And, you know, he tries to have her. He's like, well, you know, hold my hand. We'll just sit on the steps. You don't have to go inside. But she's so afraid of it, and she really doesn't want to try. And she's just like, nope, date's over. Let's go. And he really then tries to, you know, soothe her and he really wants to show her that you know he wants to be with her and that he you know I think he wants to her to be involved in the stuff that he enjoys and she's trying but she just can't do it and I think that she's both afraid of this place as well as afraid of the idea of being in a relationship with him and again I think partially people knowing but the thing is, is as they're standing in the open, we see the witch is looking down on them and looks like she's starting to get angry and maybe going to come out and maybe attack Mariah or something like that until he kisses her. And she doesn't like fight off the kiss this time. She's a little shocked by it, but she doesn't wipe her lips. And then the witch subsides and moves back and backs away and knows that this is not a situation that she needs to be involved in. And so they go over to the library, continuing their little date, and that's where they find out a little more information about the witch. And, you know, you have it where they're talking, you know, it's like, well, there's not a whole lot of things. They didn't find the body, uh, as Mariah says. And then she talks about the witch, you know, going after the bad kids. But Lucas is like, well, she doesn't go after the bad kids. She's actually friends and protectors of them which you can kind of see with where we're going next with the film. We see Anna. She's driving down after she's left the house having the argument with Tom, and she sees a little girl putting flyers on a post, and they happen to be flyers for a missing dog. She begins to put two and two together and thinks that Lucas has something to do with the dog being missing since he had all the dog blood on him at that time. So she decides to go back to the house, but before she goes back to the house, the witch goes to the house to check around the place to see what's going on you know maybe this is a place that she could go visit everyone so, well she's looking for lucas is what she's really doing but lucas is currently still out on his date with his girl mariah so she goes in the house and it's it's really funny because i just had this whole scenario in my head like you know we're watching one of those stupid HGTV shows where they go in there and they're going to redo the house and they start looking at the trash cuz their place is trash right it's it, it's just not kept up well because 
you know, it's just the two of them, these two boys, and they're not ready to be on their own and to be adults yet, but they're kind of forced in the situation, especially Tom, and they don't really do anything with the inside. So you walk in, she's looking around, she's like, you know, it's it's not so bad. You got a got a nice table over here. It's it's set up. It does smell a lot like cigarette smoke, because you guys probably been smoking too much in the goddamn house and you know i've been trying to get lucas to stop but he keeps stealing your cigarettes so what the fuck can i do okay let's go ahead and let's look at the kitchen oh oh this this wallpaper oh this is awfully 70s i mean it's and it's peeling here and you you have some interesting photos on the wall who, who the fuck is this you have another adult woman in your fucking life, life lucas what the hell is going on i thought i was the only one you know, I'm your mom right now, not this whatever picture there is over here. And, oof, I need a new interior decorator, man. I mean, the, these weird, like, you know, saint-type images over here, you know, saint's logo images and, and flowers, uh, they just don't work, you know. And, and brown? Who puts brown wallpaper on the fucking walls? Why don't you put something else, like... You know, let's make this a little lively over here. We could put a nice fern, get a little bit of greenery in here. And then these walls, they can be spruced up. Maybe we can take off the wallpaper and we can do a nice, like, adobe along the walls. It's not quite brown. It's going to bounce the light off really well over here. And then and then we go into the kitchen. What we need is a cauldron. Okay, now, now hear me out. Hear me out. Because you're going to want to make a lot of spells. I mean, I'm a witch. I know how these things work. And, and if you need to get your, you know, eye of newts ready and you need to, you know, make your, your levitation potion from boy, little boy's fat, you're going to need a nice solid cauldron just right here. And then if we create this little vent, we take this little top and then it vents the smells out. So as you're boiling that fat then you're not going to get that little kid smell in here anymore. And then you're going to have nice potions. And we can put a nice potion rack over here on the side where all the finished ones, right? We're going to put them in nice little mason jars because mason jars are really hot right now, aren't they? So put your potion in the mason jar. And then over here, we're going to have our ingredients rack. And so we're going to have, this is going to be the live animal section. So when we need to sacrifice that goat a little later on, he can stay here in the kitchen. And when we want to make veal, we can put our own baby calves over over here it's gonna be very good we're gonna have a nice veal and flying potion meal over, over here and you're gonna need a better fridge i mean all you got in here is beer you definitely need something more than beer though i know stuff that i can cook with it maybe we can do some beer brats and everything be good but really it's just it's funny just because how she and i know it's meant to be like serious she's looking around and she's basically getting ideas of you know what he does and then all of a sudden Anna shows back up at the house because she's trying to confront Lucas over here and see maybe he knows anything about that dog and so she goes in the house she goes into Lucas's bedroom and you should never go into a little boy's bedroom and especially if you, you know you're not it's not your brother but she really definitely wants to help him so she starts going through all his stuff trying to find little things and eventually she pulls out a stuffed teddy bear who has the bottom ripped out Ooh, that that's an awfully small hole shaped in a specific way. What do you what would you do with a teddy bear with a hole like that ripped it? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Somebody's trying to be a male elephant with his stuffed animals, but uh yeah, don't need to see anything. But no, inside of it he has a pistol. He has his father's pistol inside of the care bear or the teddy bear or whatever you want to call it. 
And she pulls it out, and then she starts hearing sounds inside the house. So, like in any other horror movie, she starts looking around. And, you know, not just fucking escaping and leaving. Oh, shit, there's a bunch here. But she's got the gun. She knows the gun's loaded. So she goes into the room, and she eventually meets up with the Virago witch. And she, you know, freaks the fuck out, tries to shoot the gun at it, but she's not controlling her breathing like Tom taught her earlier, and shoots a hole in the wall and the Virago witch gets her. Now, we don't know what the outcome is of, you know, poor Anna over here, but you kind of know what's going on. I really do like the way the scene is play out. It's very slow, has a bunch of tension built into it. I really felt my saying, oh no, I hope they don't kill Anna. I hope she gets out of there somehow, some way. Oh, this sucks that they're actually going to kill her. I can't believe they're going to kill her. They're going to kill the most sympathetic person in the movie, you know, the the one that I have the best connection to outside of Lucas, right? And of course, it's one of those things where she kind of has to die, and you don't like saying that, but it's better for the way the movie's going to move, because who are you going to kill? You're going to kill Mariah right now, or are you going to kill Anna? And you're going to have to kill Anna because the relationship between her and Tom is basically dead, right? And yes, all pun intended for that one. So, after the witch has dealt with Anna, Lucas comes back to the house after his little date with his little buddy, and he enters the house, and he sees that things are kind of weird, and as he's looking around, he goes into his room, notices that somebody's gone through all the stuff, gets pissed off because he also saw Anna's car outside and saw that there were those scratch marks there, and then starts to call for her inside the house as well, and then when he gets into his room, he gets pissed off that she's even been in there and been through her stuff. And so he continues to look, and then he sees the bullet hole in the wall, and he starts freaking out. And then he starts thinking outside to the scratches on the car, and oh shit, the witch has been here. So he tries to hide the bullet hole by putting a, a picture on top of it, and then goes to find his drunken brother, who happens to be in the bar, hitting on some Italian woman that's just rejecting the ever-loving shit out of him because he's being the next male elephant in this situation. So he's there, he gets in a fight with the bartender, not like a physical fight, but like a verbal fight with him, telling him to, you go home. He's like, the bartender, I love how he comes it's time for you to go home, Tom. He's like, it's time for you to go. He's like, where the fuck am I going to go, Tom? Like, this is my place. This is my business. You need to get the fuck out of here. And so he leaves. They go back home. And the next morning, of course, Lucas goes out there and starts exploring once again, leaves the place. And we see that Tom is now he's looking through the house and he notices one of the pictures are just slightly ajar. And he moves the picture. He sees the bullet hole. And we once again see just Lucas kind of wandering around like kind of trying to forget everything, like what is he doing type of things. And then we also see that Tom, he goes outside, looks at Anna's car because Anna's car is out there, and he notices all the scratches that are alongside of the car. He then drives the car to the place that Anna's been staying when he asks the people, hey, have you seen a girl named Anna that has been staying with you guys? And they look at him and say, well, no, but you should know because you're driving her car, which... Honestly, it's really weird. Why would you go out and take her car to start looking for places? Because he doesn't have his own ride. He, Like I said, he gets picked up every morning to go to whatever job he's going to go to with these people. And then he spends his evenings at the bar and then fucking comes home. But he hadn't been spending his evenings at the bar because he had a distraction in Anna. He had a girlfriend. So 
he then comes home at the same time that Lucas is there, and he wants Lucas to tell him what happened because he found the bullet hole in the wall. Lucas, come here. I want to show you something. Can you tell me anything about that? That's a 357 Magnum. You been fucking around with Dad's gun? We don't hide things from each other. Did you hurt her? No. Then tell me what happened. We get to play slap face. This isn't a game. I'm not playing. Did she, did she come home? Did she start a fight, get in your face, piss you off? You get Dad's gun to try to scare her? Maybe the monster got her. I'm not with that shit. Do you want her to go out and get a social worker and take you away? Is that what you want? We're all we've got, man. Just us. Now tell me what happened. So it's kind of a weird scene because he's finally becoming a little bit of the person he's supposed to be, but he still doesn't know how to not be violent with him, right? Like, he really wants to know. He's really upset. And Lucas, even there, is like, let's play slap face. So that way, because normally when they do these things, they stop fucking talking with each other, right? They clear, quote, unquote, clear the shit. And then all of a sudden it gets dropped and they get moved on. But Tom really cares about Anna. All of a sudden her car is there. There's a bullet hole in the fucking wall and she's nowhere to be seen. Like, where did she go? And the only person that knew about the gun besides Anna was fucking Lucas. And that's where he's like, did you get the gun? Did you try to scare her? Did you try to do this shit? And he doesn't want to talk about it. And because he doesn't really know or does he know? That's the question, again, that we had to start asking ourselves. But as we've known in the movie, the witch is the one that got her. So if we take it face value, that the witch came and got her and did whatever to her. So in the meanwhile, while they're trying to deal with this shit, we cut over to Mariah over here. And we see how much she is bullied too. And now how she reflects that upon Lucas because the way her quote-unquote friends treat her. Don't be such an idiot, Mariah. Maxi pads go on the outside of your underwear. You want to get blood over your clothes? So, why did you change your hair like that? The nightshades were blue. You know, Mariah, I didn't want to say anything, but... It makes your hair look kind of ugly. <laughs> I mean, look at her. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I'm late. Traffic was a nightmare. Hey, Mom. Hey. You girls have fun? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Everything okay, sweetie? Everything's great. <laughs> what a bunch of fucking bitches, man. She has beautiful fucking hair. I'm not afraid to say that. Her hair is absolutely gorgeous and awesome. And they're just jealous that her hair looks like that. Like, they control every other aspect of her life. Like, she's controlled by everybody. She says her mom's really, you know, crazy. But I think that's just more of a, you shouldn't be coming over. Even though I think she really wants him to come over. She's just kind of afraid of her mom when she says that her mom's like a chair-shaking mom. A chair-shaking mom. What the fuck is wrong with me? But nonetheless... Uh, you know, it, it sucks that she's like, these are my only friends. And she's at that age where the friends are super important because she doesn't really know anybody else, but she won't let Lucas in instead of letting Lucas into her, you know, that sounds really wrong, 
but instead of letting her him in, she is trying to let him into their world and to these two girls in the way that they act. But they're so spoiled and they're so like such fucking rotten children. You know, in the point that the mom comes around, they're like the sweetest things in the world because they know they can get away with fucking everything. And then even Mariah, she could easily go there. No, they're making fun of me and it's not a good time. And then fucking leave. But she's like, no, everything's okay. Like she's able to turn that switch on because she's just as fake as they are, but in a completely different way because she's afraid that if that's, you know, that's it. She has no more friends, even though she has fucking Lucas and it fucking sucks. So, again, from here, we then go back over to Lucas and Tom, and we get one of the most open points of the movie. And when I say open, is this is when Tom actually shows himself, right? And everything that he thinks about. He's gotten drunk after everything that's gone on with them. He's sitting in the bathtub with all his clothes on, and then he calls Lucas over, and we get to learn a little bit about the accident. Lucas! Lucas! Can you give my beer? My little baby bro. My, my, my big baby bro. Thank you. I was thinking maybe we, we could go to Florida. Hey, sit down. You know, cause we haven't been there since mom and dad. I can't stop thinking about that night. I know dad was gone on impact, but I keep picturing mom. Her face right before the airbags went off. And we couldn't get out and then we did and the water was so cold and it was rushing and I thought she was behind us, but I thought she was behind us. Never to talk about that. So it's it's an eye-opening scene in terms of Tom, and this is kind of the flip for Tom, but it's not completely the flip for Tom, right? He still has his things that go on as he drinks more and he something else happens that is, you know, that with Lucas that's not the right thing, and they, they're gonna play another game of slap face in a little bit. But it's just the way that things go. This is the most open he's been when he realizes that something's happened to Anna. It's affecting his life. And he didn't just cut the shit. Like, they didn't just get rid of it because he doesn't really know. And maybe she was speaking the truth. And now she's gone. And he starts to think back upon his mom. Because, again, maybe having that female connection makes him forget about what was going on. And he needs that that like female nurturing side to his life that his mom was and he was getting it out of Anna and now he's not getting it anymore and he starts back to thinking about his mom because you know now he's lost two girls in his life that he was you know really in love with one that he was in love with romantically and one as a parental figure and he starts talking about that and Lucas wants nothing to fucking do with it because that's the way he's been taught 
right? He's been taught by his brother in this to just cut the shit and not deal with it. And so when they finish it, he's like, you told us that we never talk about this. And he left. So we know there was an accident. We know that, you know, the airbag deployed, they were able to get out, but they weren't able to get the mom out and she died from the accident. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad story, but I feel that this, for this part of the film, it's, it's something that I wish we explored more. Like we had this scene and it, it is a quite powerful scene in terms of the defenselessness of Tom here in this situation. You know, he's really drunk and now he's thinking about this and he's trying to go through with it. And he, it seems like he's trying to hash it out with Lucas, but Lucas ain't having that shit, right? He just doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't want to do anything with this shit. And he just leaves at that point and goes in the woods and hangs out with Mariah out in the woods after, you know, everything that she's gone through. And then when he's out there, when Lucas is out there with her, you know, she apologizes to him finally for the way that she's treated him. And then he's just like, well, do you want to play a game? And she's like, what do you want? What are you going to do? He's all slap face. Well, how does that work? And then he slaps her on the face and then she slaps him on the face and they slap each other a couple times and then she kisses him on the cheek, right? Like, it's weird because that's the way that Lucas deals with everything and how he gets everything out and is just like, okay, everything's fine after this is done. And so he's doing the same thing, which is going to start like a cycle of violence in the relationship because he doesn't know how to deal with anything without resorting to something violent. He doesn't know how to deal with his feelings until it boils up enough that th they get to that point where if there isn't the, the slap face, it still lingers and he can't release it. It's like watching a horror movie, right? And, and I know maybe I'm stretching here, but I think about it and intention within horror movies, right? That you're constantly being barded with these tense scenes and, you know, it's slow and methodical and the tension is building. You don't know where the killer is and you hear things and the sound is very, very dill, like still and quiet. I don't know why it would be dill. I guess the person's in a pickle, but Nonetheless, you have it here, and then there is the jump scare, or there's the killer pops out, or something dies, someone, the person dies, something, and then the tension is lifted, and you feel relieved, and you can continue on with the movie. And in the really scary type of movies, when you're you're in those situations, but you know, for this, it's violence for him, right? He has all these emotions built up. He's mad at her. And because she keeps treating him like shit and she, because she was just treated like shit by the people she thought were her friends, then she kind of understands where he's coming from and she apologizes to him. And then for them to be cool with each other, they play slap face, which is something that is not normal. It really isn't. So after they do that and she puts her head on his shoulder and they're having a nice night with the full moon, all of a sudden they hear Tom yelling in the distance and they run back to the house. They go inside and they see Tom is trying to catch a rat. And so he's trying to sweep it up in a broom. Lucas goes and grabs a cast iron pan over there and then proceeds after he gets the rat into a corner to beat the ever loving shit out of the rat, which scares away Mariah. And he's like, what? What's going on? Like, and his brother is cheering on the fact that the rat fucking died. And Lucas is all excited too, 
But this is a side of Lucas that Mariah has never seen. She's never seen the angry and violent side coming out of him, and that scares her, and she leaves and goes away. The next morning, Tom drinks his breakfast of champions, a nice Coors Light, and then goes out to work. And while Lucas is bathing in the tub, all of a sudden, the Vraga witch comes into the house, jumps into the tub with him, and begins cleaning him. And then they spend the day together having fun, trashing the house. Like, the witch one, that's really weird. Like, this is like the mothering figure like type of thing, right? Why she gets in the bath with him, I don't know. But this isn't like a Hedwig and the Angry Inch situation where she goes over the tub, she reaches in, she just starts jerking him real fucking fast, and then when she finishes, she leaves, and then they go have some more fun. No, it's literally like a mothering situation where she gets in there and she starts like bathing him like that was her child. And so once they get out, they go into the house, she grabs something and destroys it, you know, she throws it on the ground. Then Lucas grabs something, throws it on the ground. And then they just start destroying everything in the house. They start turning over tables, taking all the pictures off the wall, throwing cans everywhere, and eventually get into the bedroom where they're going through all the stuff in the room. And then the witch goes and grabs the mother's dress. And that's the last straw for Lucas. He will not go that far. And so he keeps telling her to you know, drop it, drop it. And eventually they get into a tug of war where he grabs it. But Tom comes home and Tom seems the whole house just up in a fucking mess. And then he calls for Lucas, says it's time to play some slap face because this is their home and he shouldn't fuck with their home. But what Tom doesn't know is that the witch is watching behind them. This is our house, man. We live here. Look at me. What happened with Anna? What happened to Anna? I love you, Tom. I love you so much, Thomas. I love you. You can't hurt me anymore. She'll hurt you. Who? Anna? What happened? So it's... The way this scene plays out is very good. I really enjoy this scene of the movie. And there is a lot of tension. And you're just like, oh my god, is it going to happen now? Like, is Tom dead at this point? And unfortunately, no, he's not dead. Uh, But you notice that she's watching in the background as they're doing it and she slowly is moving forward. And every time Tom slaps Lucas in the face, she gets slapped as well. And Lucas notices it too. And as she gets slapped more and she has that empathetic feeling of getting the slap, he notices that like she is going to kill Tom. And in order to stop her from doing it, he reaches over hugs him and says, I love you. I don't want anything to happen to you. 
right? And that's when the witch stops and turns around and walks away. Because just like when, you know, it's like when he was letting his guard down to basically be attacked or letting his guard down with Mariah and trying to bring her in and the witch showed up and was watching the situation. And then when he kissed her and she didn't do anything back, like she accepted it, even though she was a little shocked, he, then the witch went away. And here in the same situation, when he went and hugged him because he didn't want anything to happen to him, then the witch goes away because the witch doesn't hurt anybody that doesn't hurt him or that he doesn't that he cares about and that doesn't care about and so it's this is the flip side of what just happened with tom and tom kind of sharing his emotions with lucas and lucas didn't want anything to do with it he just walked away right and here lucas had to show his emotion he didn't want to be hit anymore and he's finally expressing that to his brother but it's not in the context of you know you shouldn't hit anymore because you shouldn't be hitting me period it's in the context of i don't want you to be hurt because i love you but you can't hit me anymore don't do this anymore right and you can see it here if we're talking about the witch being his collected anger. It's about letting his emotions finally out, and that's what gets rid of the witch in the situation. If not, the more you do it, eventually he's just going to turn on Tom, and that's the way it's going to be, and then he's going to fucking kill Tom if that's what's going to happen. But we don't really know if that's the case because we have the witch around in so many situations. So now we get to the kind of the last act. This is like the start of the last act of the film. And now things are going to happen that I did not want to happen in the film. And the way that the film ends is, is open-ended and definitely a little bit surprising, but it's also kind of apropos in the way that it works. And in the end of the film is what really poses the question, was the witch really real? And there's one scene that's going to be coming up that it's kind of like, I, it's you could make a case that yes, the witch was always real in the way that it works. So we have Lucas, he's out there exploring the world and doing what he normally does. And then he comes across something all piled up. And what's piled up? It's a grave. And who's in the grave? We see on the outside there's a little cross, just like the cross he made for the dog when he buried the dog. But instead of there being a dog in there, it's Anna's grave. Because he notices the little necklace that she showed him that showed that she was a Wiccan. And he's... And well she's buried out there in the middle of the woods and he realizes that the witch is the one that did this as they move as he tries to get away from the situation that's where you know after he has this little revelation he runs into the bullies once again with mariah and this is where things start to go south stop. get his arm stop it this is absurd! This is what you get for stalking our friends! Stop it! Get, get off, off of me! Get up! Stop! Get up! Mariah! Spit on him. No! Do no, it! Don't! Do her, you two! Don't! Cancel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see his little wiener. We'll hold Stop. him. You did his belt. Stop! Stop! What was that? Oh, oh. 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 Oh.
okay? Let's get him. So wait, no penises in the pool, but wieners in the woods is cool? Is that another song? Wieners in the woods is cool. Wieners when you're bullying another kid. Wieners in the woods is cool. I imagine that could be sung by Hart. Yeah, I think they do a good job of singing that song for me. Who wants to reach out to Hart for me to have them record Wieners in the Woods? But nonetheless, and who knows who the fuck Hart is? I know there's a lot of people that probably do, but there might be some people listen to this that don't know who the fuck that band is at all, and uh, it makes me feel old. But nonetheless, <laughs> I would love to have them like respond to that. What? No. Fuck you. I ain't singing Wiener in the Woods. We're going to give this to the Bengals. What the fuck are they doing anymore? And then it's going to be more like Walk Like an Egyptian. Wieners in the Woods. Dun, 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 dun. But nonetheless, so it, so they're back out there bullying on them, right? Because he knows that the witch possibly could be near because he just came from the grave. And he's trying to warn them all. And he's more trying to warn Mariah that something could like bad could happen to her because he was getting mad at Anna Anna did something that kind of pissed him off and hurt his brother, right? And they know that he loves his brother. And then she ended up ultimately killing Anna at the same time. And so when Mariah is asked to spit on him, he begs her not to. And then she does because she's got to save face for what's going on out there, right? And it's really fucked up that she even does it, that she even spits on him. Like, this is the kid that she's really into. She really likes him. She just kissed him, even though she only kissed him on the cheek. She's slowly warming up to him. And here, they're thinking that, oh, he's stalking her, right? But he's not stalking her. What is he doing? He's having a relationship with her. And she's too much of a fucking, like coward to say anything to stand up to these bullies and i get it that's a harsh thing to say that she's a coward because i'm not in her shoes this is also a fictional character i get it but there's a lot of people that are in this situation it's hard to get out but if she feels so powerful that you know she she really likes the kid there are some people that will just stand up and be like no I, I like him. That's just the way it is. I don't care if you're our friends. You guys are sons of bitches. This is the way it's going to go. But no, she decides to spit on him. And so, you know, he does the only thing that he can because he wants to get away from them as soon as possible because maybe if he gets far away, the witch isn't going to do anything to them. But he also doesn't want to get his ass fucking kicked by the girls once again. So he stomps on the one girl's foot and then he punches the other girl in the fucking face. That's the sound that you hear. And then he runs away. And I have to think on filming day, what? how do they decide which one was going to get punched? Hey, who can take a fake punch better than the other? Okay. Is it you or is it you? Let's do take one. Does it the first girl? Terrible, terrible. The other girl does it not so bad, believable, but not as good, but we'll go with you. I think that's the way we're going to go. So you're going to get punched in the face and you're going to get stomped on the foot. And the kid it can stop the punch in the face a lot easier than he probably could have stopped the stomp on the foot. That looked really real unless it was like a fake foot because they did the ground and, you know, then so it looked real like he was really stomping on her foot or he fucked up they decided to keep the take and then that's what you see in the movie and i kind of want to believe that it's that so he goes and he runs and hide and he's trying to hide to make sure that nobody can find them and that's when we probably get 
the part of the movie that I probably dislike the most, and that's when the witch does finally show up, and she gets Mariah, and it's kind of, you know, well, let's just go with the scene. Hey! Just me! You there? Mom, please come out and talk to me! I know you're really mad at me. I was scared. I'm really sorry. Lucas? why it's in here right and it is very powerful and it's good for the story and everything but i just i hate to see it happen because i was watching this and i was like no they're not going to do this to her they're not going to kill her off they're not and and ultimately you know spoiler alert they don't really kill her but she does end up in the hospital like really really beat up uh, as we'll get into in just a little bit. But this is the culmination of how she's been treating him, right? Because she tries. She's very abusive to him in a different way, right? It's like the puppy dog effect where she's basically being, like, you know, mean to him. But then behind closed doors, no, I love you. I love you. Everything's great. I'm going to make sure that you're you're well taken care of. I'm going to show all the affection. But in public, stupid fucking dog, you piece of shit. You you know, you're snapping at it. You're beating it and everything like that. I don't love you. I'm not going to feed you. Oh, that's not even my dog. I'm not even going to fucking keep that thing. Fuck that guy. And it's the, you know, opposite side of toxic masculinity here, right? She's He keeps coming back to her. Because she keeps throwing him a bone. She keeps giving him some treats. You know, a kiss here, a kiss there. They're hanging out all the time. But whenever it's in public, you know, no, I don't know who the fuck you are. And you're doing everything. You're stalking me. You know, but she's just like, you know the way that it is. And honestly, I like Mariah when she's not around the two friends. And you can tell, at least in the one scene where she was bullied, that she was kind of starting to crack. But then, you know, here they are here when I guess they found out that they've been hanging out together. Ew, no, I wasn't hanging out with him. He was just stalking me. And then they go to beat him up, right? And he manages to get away. And then the moment that she gets knocked in the head by the Virago, all of a sudden when they pop up after Lucas is basically asking for help, they just look and they're like, oh, shit, (laughs) time to bounce. And they fucking leave her there. 
Like, they don't try to defend her. They don't try to grab him, beat the shit out of him. Nothing. Like, you see her and like, oh, crap. He finally snapped and he could do this to us. We better fucking run because they're the biggest fucking cowards in this whole fucking movie. Right? They're just fucking bullies. And that's what a lot of fucking bullies are. They're just fucking cowards. And I'll say that and fuck anybody that believes anything different. Like, it's it's true. And this all built up because even though he had somebody that he was falling in love with, she still treated him like crap. And if there is the flip side, if there is that the witch is just, uh, you know, a, a, a imagery of his anger and his rage building up and finally he couldn't take it anymore and he doesn't know how to release it and the only way that he knows how to release it is by doing violence and here he was violent and he knocked her out with a rock to the head and that's the second time that you see the witch actually doing something besides the end of the movie right where we're going to have a confrontation at the end of the movie but there's another scene that's coming up that I wish we really could have seen, but this is the only time where she actually acts upon something. And so it, it sucks because I I do really like her as a character. And and as I think about this film, I realize I only like the good side of her. And, And I'm kind of in that, like I'm like Lucas here while watching the film because I don't like her at all when she's, you know, I understand that she's, being bullied herself and that she's in a tough situation. She doesn't know how to get out of it. And I'm sympathetic towards that some, but at the same time, like I hate it. I absolutely hate it that she has this attitude towards him. And part of me says, well, she got what was coming to her, but she didn't need to have that happen to her at the same time. Like, I really wish that he would have come out of the middle of nowhere and stopped her once again, and then the witch was there. But I think that leads a little bit towards the witch being real instead of the witch being something else, right? And I think that's the reason why we got this situation here and why this is being put into the movie and why ultimately, even though, say, she doesn't die, and we don't know if she dies, we don't know if she lives, we know that, you know, he just couldn't hold it anymore. And he tried to play slap face with her to basically kind of cut that shit. And then here comes the shit again. And she tries to say sorry for the last time after treating him like shit for at least four times that we've seen in this movie, that that's just it. It's not going to cut it anymore. And that's why the witch fucking does what she does. So, From here, we then cut over to the police station, and we see that he's been picked up by the police. I guess after somebody's come out, maybe the girls went back, told their mom, and he's been with the body, or he maybe ended up picking her up and trying to take her somewhere and get her some help. But ultimately, they blame everything on him. Tom tries to go inside the station. They say, look, you can't help him anymore. And that's where we have the big conversation between Lucas and the sheriff of the town. So there were monsters. Lucas, sometimes we do terrible things. We can't help ourselves. You want to tell me what happened? You want me to guess? I'm not a psychic. Virago. First, she was a breeze. And she was a tree. 
I grew up down on Boland Lane, not far from where you guys are at. Plus, just real sheriff Thurston. You know, your mother asked me to stop coming by because your father was acting crazy. She was trying to protect me. I remember how mad you got when the last time I saw her. You were kicking the walls and smashing plates. You were batshit crazy. I didn't want you to leave. Mm, you got a temper. Virago. Come on, son. Tell me the truth. Who was the monster, Lucas? Are you the monster, Lucas? And so that really becomes the question for everything that we've seen in this movie, right? And I've kind of, I, I didn't want to wait to this point to really pose that question because I just, I feel like we need to think about it throughout the movie and it brings a different light to the movie. And I understand a lot of people may have not seen this movie and haven't seen this movie. And I know some people do listen to this before they even get into the podcast or, or to the movie, they get into the podcast and it, maybe that's not fair to a lot of people. And if, if you feel that's not fair, I apologize. I really do because uh, it's hard not to talk about it once you get to this point in the movie. And you realize that as a younger kid, he couldn't control his anger. He couldn't control his rage. And it wasn't until him and his brother probably started playing this game, his mother had died, and he bottled all that shit up. And he just kept bottling it up, right? And then doing the occasional slap face was not just because, you know, he did something wrong, but it was also a way for him to get his shit out, right? For him to get all that anger out, all the, the pressures of bullying that he has amongst uh, the girls that are bullying him constantly, the fact that his girlfriend doesn't want to recognize him as his girlfriend, you know, that's like not publicly out there, that his brother is a fucking alcoholic and doesn't deal with his emotions directly with him. Uh, and, and the fact that his brother fucking beats him, even though it's it's something different, you know, it's a game, but it's not really a game, right? It truly is just abuse is what it really is. And the fact that, you know, he was so upset that, you know, I guess that now here, maybe the, he, the dad isn't dead. The dad is just gone, right? They're separated, but it wasn't until the mom died, right? Because he used to be over there and, and his mom broke it off with the sheriff of the town because the dad was starting to get crazy and she was worried that he was going to do something and didn't want that to happen. And it really upset Lucas because he was the father figure that he wanted. Like that was maybe that was like his dad. His dad wasn't his dad, but this guy was his father. And how upset that he got breaking plates and slash slamming things everywhere and doing all that shit just like he did with the witch in this movie right? They destroyed the fucking house. And that could be him getting his anger out once again. But this time he was having fun with it. It wasn't something that was being held inside. It wasn't something that he only expressed in a game of, of slapping your brother that that caused all this shit to happen. So 
now he's you know there posed with the question is he the monster and it's up to us as the audience to determine is the monster real or was he the monster i mean everything has the monster in it but you could easily place him in there and what i love that this film does is it doesn't reflect back on that point right like i've seen a lot of other films where you have this evil entity and then ultimately it's decided it's this person that's been doing it right and then all of a sudden you get flashbacks of everything's happened and it's the person in that situation being that you know and there are a ton of movies that have done similar things to this and and i'm trying to i don't know why high tension is on my mind it's probably because i watched a video about it sometime earlier today but even in that like i remember them going back and putting her into some of those things spoiler for high tension the the person into that those little scenes here or there to be like oh they were always a part of it and they were always you know this this is way it was it wasn't really this way but here again it's left ambiguous like they could have easily done it because lucas doesn't believe that that's him he believes that the monster is real and he wants us as the audience to believe that the monster is real but do you believe that the monster is real i honestly don't know and maybe I can try to answer that question after we've gone through the rest of the movie. But again, it's still something that we're being posed at this point in the film. And I like that even as the movie ends, we never get that answer. And it's just left upon our own interpretations of everything that's going on. So we then go over to Tom and Tom has gone over the hospital to make sure that Mariah is okay. We see Mariah in the hospital bed with bandages all her face, but she's unconscious. And her mother and father are crying above her. And the doctor says, we don't know what it's going to be. We think she's going to be all right, but we have to give her some time. And basically saying, is she alive? Is she dead? We don't really know, right? We're not going to know. And then we see the two girls on the outside. They're crying. They're like, we, we were just scared. We just ran away. And they're like, oh, it's okay. We're sorry for the things that have gone on. And it's like, no, you should have fucking stood up for your friend if that's what was going to happen. Hold him down. The other one, go get fucking help, right? If he's such a weak little kid that you can just fucking bully and beat the shit out of him when the time actually comes for you to step into fucking action, you don't because you're a bunch of fucking cowards. But nonetheless, when we see, you know, Tom back there and he watches as everybody passed by him and he realizes that at that moment, you know, I fucked up. I fucked up as the father figure in his life. I never wanted to do this, but you know what? I had to do this. And even now, like I, I didn't do it and look what's happened because I haven't faced the things. I haven't forced him to come to terms and deal with his emotions in a healthy way. And now everything here and it's all my fault, which in all honesty, it kind of is like the signs are there. If this really happened, if he really is the one that's responsible for everything. Yeah, there is a little bit like a fault on Tom's part. You know, that's what happens when you go off and you cheat on your fucking girlfriend that is, you know, pregnant about to have your kid. And then you leave with the person that you cheated on. This is what happens. They go on a monstrous fucking rampage. So now we go back over to the hospital and this is the scene that's weird in terms of like you have this question that was just posed right is the monster real is he real and then you have this and and this can be interpreted in one of two ways right this is really going to determine to you the monster's real the monster may not be real right so when we get back to lucas 
he wakes up because all of a sudden the doors open there's no noise he doesn't hear anybody and then he walks in the hallway and the hallways are bloodied and there's people dead everywhere and they have scars all over their face they're bleeding you know all over the place and stupidly he goes and he grabs a gun like i know he wants to do protection because he knows about his dad's gun and all that stuff but you know if there's a giant fucking crime scene and a bunch of people have fucking died and the blood's every the last thing that i'm gonna want to do especially if they think that i've been killing people and i've been injuring people is grab a fucking gun i'm just gonna try to get the fuck out of here the most i can especially if i'm friends with the person that possibly did all this but he walks around the hallways he sees that all the people are dead then he goes into where the sheriff would be and the sheriff is now dead on his desk so he drops the gun he runs he calls tom he gets a hold of him and then you know he tells him that he needs to come home not before tom is is basically berated by a couple of officers outside of the hospital after one of the doctor tells him look the police know more than i do you need to get the fuck out of here because you're upsetting the family and then the cops basically say like your brother's used his last get out of jail free card you no longer have your safety net just go home and then he decides to just go home because Lucas calls him and tells him that he needs to come back. Meanwhile, back at the house, Lucas has dumped all of his toys everywhere. He went to his closet, got this box of toys that he doesn't use anymore. And he has these army soldiers in there. And he separates them into two piles and then waits for the witch to come. The witch eventually does come, bringing the last piece with him the one that he stole from the you know the weird house mansion school thing and places it in the center in between the two and this is where he has one last conversation with the witch before tom himself comes back home and then we're going to get towards the end of the movie there's something you gotta know are you good or evil believe you're good you hurt so many people so you must be evil so there's something I gotta know was it all because of me So there is something that happens in that scene before he says can't be friends, which is very visual, but I want to include that little bit at the end because of the way that the inflections and stuff. And the thing is, is that when he separates the piles and then he shows her, he's like, is it going to be evil or good? The green guys or the red guys? And she takes her hand and she shoves one off to the side and one off to the other side. And there's just a centerpiece, right? And basically being like, you know, it's the interpretation here is like, I'm neither good nor evil. I'm you. That's the interpretation that I'm getting in this scene. Like, and that's when he's like, we can't be friends anymore. Or the interpretation is I'm neither good nor evil. It's dependent upon what you do. Right? Like those are the two ways that I think you can take it. it depending on what side you're on, you're either on team monster or you're on 
team uh, emotional abuse. One of those two. Maybe it's not even team emotional abuse. Maybe it's team America. Yeah, fuck yeah. No, it's like team manifestation. That's Maybe that's the way. So which one is it? Is it just a manifestation? Then she's saying that I'm you. Like, that's you. You're neither good nor evil, but you can be both, right? Or based upon your actions because of the way that you are, I'm either good or evil. I can't be, you know, just one. I'm both, right? And then wherever you're good, whenever the things are good, then I'm not going to do anything. But when people are hurting you, then I'm going to do something. Or it's that, you know, I'm manifested. I'm the, the person that you want to be when you're really angry. And I will put out that anger, but I won't be around when you're, you know, you're happy and everything's going well. So that's when Tom busts through the door and then he calls for Lucas and then he sees the witch and he gets like, he is just like, oh my God, what the hell is going on? We should also mention that Lucas went back and got his father's gun and also got a knife and placed the knife in the living room. Uh, and so then Tom starts going, he basically starts getting his ass beat by the witch and he's like basically thrown across the room by being slapped in the face. And Lucas tells him, Tom, it's slap face. It's slap face. And then he realizes that he's got to use all his might to try to stop the witch by slapping her in the face as well. And so they have a slap battle. And it's honestly kind of silly, but I get what it's trying to do. Eventually, the witch beats up Tom enough to where Lucas decides that he's going to pull out the gun and he's going to shoot the witch. And he shoots the witch. And then... Uh, the witch starts walking towards him and he's crying because he doesn't want to do it. He grabs the knife. He doesn't want to. Then he stabs her in the stomach, ultimately killing the Virago witch. And then you see Tom in the background and he's really beat up. His nose is fucking busted. He's unconscious on the ground. Lucas runs over to him and starts cradling, asking him to wake up as the cops show up and the movie itself goes silent to black and ends Tom wake up wake up Tom wake up wake up Tom wake up Tom I couldn't fight 
uh, I really wish I could play more of that song because it's actually an excellent song. I really like it. I like the way the melodies work. I like the way the vocals work and everything like that. But that is slap face. And the thing that kind of leads you a little more towards the end, like in the way that maybe it's just a manifestation. And, and, and here, I think after watching the film and then going back through it and talking about it more, I lean more towards team manifestation. I think I'm on that. I don't really think that it is a monster. I think it's really him coming to terms with his, his, you know, his anger and everything like that. Like he's put it into this monster because he's so into it and it allows him to kind of like back off. Here's this imaginary friend I've got. And my imaginary friend is all my anger and rage and everything that's been happening to me, all the bullying and everything else. And it's just building up. And the reason that I say this, because the cop scene when everybody is dead would really lead me more to being like that it's the monster, right? But then you could say that, well, he wakes up and he's just imagining these things. Like he just sees this stuff and he blacks out whenever he does that stuff. But there's nothing to say that he blacks out. Like even when he, the, the sheriff is talking with him about the way that he was angry and everything like that, he remembers and he even says that I didn't want you to leave and that's why I was so angry with everything. And maybe at that point he was decided I needed to fucking nut up or something like that. And, or maybe that's what his brother was telling him, you know, you need to just get over it and you need to just deal with this shit on, on your own. Like just, just fucking, you know, we're either not going to talk about this anymore and that's what's going to do. You're going to bottle this all up, but he doesn't have a history of doing that other than getting really angry, but it's not to the point that he blacks out. Right. And then he does all this stuff. How is he going to kill all of those cops? Because that is real in terms of the movie. Right. Because even when the cops confront Tom at the hospital, they get a call in about the shit that's went down over there and that all these police officers are fucking dead. So how if this is a manifestation, how does that happen? That leads me to the monster is real and it's really driven by his emotions. Now you could also say that it is real, but it's a manifest in this way. It's not like just a, um, you know, uh, it's a manifestation in become real, right? That it's all just been bottled up into there and that he wished it into reality. And there it is by the ritual that he did in the beginning where he cut his fucking hand and he bled over the picture and the sorrow that he feels like he's burying his mom once again. And like, I'm just going to move this out and everything that I feel that comes with this stuff. And then all of a sudden the witch became real, right? Because of it, or he summoned her something like that. Not that it's just a manifestation all inside of his head, but I lean a little more towards that because of the last scene of the movie, because of the fight that they're doing the slap face. And then you, when everything starts going away, the witch is gone completely, even if he's killed her. But the way the witch moves after he's been shot or after she's been shot, after she gets stabbed, looks exactly like the way Tom moves. And that's where I kind of believe that he did that to Tom. And then he's realizing, even though he still thinks it's the monster, it's still the witch. It's really his brother. And the last shot of the scene is he's looking around and he sees that there is a toy car that's on the ground where he was. And it it's not 
just lying there on the floor it's off to its side and it looks like there might be like blood or something on it and like he was beating his brother in the face with the toy car and eventually shot him and or when he was shooting at the witch he thought there was a witch there but ultimately he shot his brother and then he stabbed his brother as his brother was coming to him for help basically trying to be like I'm just trying to help you or I'm I'm trying to say sorry in this phase but we see the witch and that's what he sees and then he stabs the witch and as the witch falls over it's like his brother does when his brother has finished getting his ass kicked by the witch like they look very similar it reminds me of Tom and that's where I put it in that category which kind of sucks because that means that he killed Anna and it means that he beat the crap out of Mariah even finally snapping from all the shit that she's been putting him through so that's the movie is it a good movie um I think it's good it has its flaws right? I think it's beautifully shot. I think the acting is fantastic in this movie. Uh, it, you know, uh, August Maturo as Lokius is just great. I feel for this kid. He starts off very uh, iffy, right? In the beginning of the movie, but as it moves along and as the kid experiences more trauma, he's good. And he has that loner feel to him. And he has that like, you know, troubled, traumatic, traumatized kid in him. It's, it's good. It's a great fucking performance. Some of the other ones, they're okay. Tom is fine, but he doesn't quite fit what I was hoping for. And I really think the character needs a better redemption arc. If he, if this is going to happen to him, because I really don't care if he died right? Like I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be like, Oh, he's changed. He's changing. But the one scene where he kind of changes, then he kind of goes back to himself when he's doing the slap face shit once again, because he's so pissed off. And he's like, Nope, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play fucking slap face. And it kind of sucks. And then, you know, the other characters, like I said, Anna is the second most like relatable character and the most tragic character in the movie, because all she wanted to do was help. Like she really cared for Lucas. She really, she's a very empathetic person and she's been through some shit with her brother and she didn't want to see him fall down the same path because she saw similarities that were going on there. So it sucks that she had to die. And then Mariah, like it's just another side of the abuse that he's getting, right? It's, she's a good character. Again, she's acted well for being a kid actor. When I see kid actors in movies, I know they're either going to be good or they're going to be terrible. And you put them in a movie like this, it's hard for them to be really good unless they're good actors. And I think both of them are pretty good. The twins, uh, they're good at being bitches, but it's not still not very good. Um, and then everybody else is just kind of okay. So... I think the story is pretty good. I love that this movie is open-ended, that it lets you do your own interpretation. It doesn't try to like do flashbacks to where he's beating Mariah or he, you know, attacked Anna or he did this. Like we don't see these things to be like this is definitely what it is, but it's really just straightforward. You need to make your own choices. Should you have seen this movie before you did the podcast? I don't think so. I think that you could still enjoy this movie. And in fact, if you want to go through it and then you can kind of think of these things that I've brought up and they might enhance the way you view it, or you can totally disagree with me and be like, no, this is not the way it goes. Is the movie for everybody? 
no, I don't think it's for everybody. I think they're going to be people that just don't like this movie. I think, period. I think that they're going to think that it's some type of message that they're trying to push on everybody and stuff like that. But it, I, it's really not. I really don't feel that. And I feel that it gets across its anti-bullying message and that a lot of it has to deal with what a lot of men deal with on a daily basis, that there are a lot of societal pressures that put on upon a bunch of men. And I'm not trying to be like a men's right activist or some shit, but there is. And, you know, it's a different, I think, that in terms of there are things that are always going to be different from every fucking generation, okay? It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you are. I think that, you know, you would think that certain men have it different, it, it harder at certain times, you know, and there might have been people back, the old men had it worse back in, you know, the 50s and, the, and then the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and blah, 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 blah. And then, honestly, in some regard, I think that, you know, there are good things with some kids growing up, some boys growing up today that it's good for them because it's okay to be emotional. Where even when I was growing up, especially with my father, my father it was not okay to be emotional, right? Showing shit on your fucking sleeve is not the way to go. And my father was one of those people like, if you need to cry, if you need to do this, just do it. Right where my grandfather was not one of those people, where my dad's father, and when I think say my grandfather, it's rough because that's my mom's dad, right? And when I think about that, because the way that he grew up and he was always understanding with what was going on, but when it was came to my dad's dad, my my other grandfather, who, you know, while I knew I didn't know much, and a lot of it just came through my dad, and he died when he was very young, right? And he was in his fifties when he passed away. And it was, but he was very of the, the thing where men don't cry. You just don't, you don't cry. You don't show emotions. You don't bring that out. And you're, you're just a fucking pussy. If you do that, that was the way that he raised my dad. And that's a way a lot of those fathers raised their sons or taught their sons. And here we see it, right? It's, it's in this movie. And, and to say that there are other things that are worse for men nowadays. Yeah. There's a lot of other things for for boys and men that I feel that we got away with when we were we were kids, right? Were they right? Not all the time, but some of the times there were it was different that you could, you know, you could say something and it didn't get taken a certain way that you didn't have to watch your speech. You know, that's one of those things. You still had to watch some shit, but it wasn't what it was. And I don't want to go into this giant tirade of that type of shit, but I know that it's a different time that I grew up in. And if I grew up in it now, it would just be normal. But to me, it might be a little weird. But a lot of the themes in this movie it are definitely things that every man has experienced at some point in their life. And it's just, it, it, it made me feel sad watching this movie. Right. And, uh, I, I, I did really enjoy this movie, but I think that it has a couple flaws where it doesn't get a, a super high grade for me because I, I just feel things are a little like the, some of the, the makeup work for the Virago is not very good. And the big scene of them attacking all the cops, I wish we had seen the Virago actually do some shit, but the Virago only shows up to, to when the, to kill in like a couple of little snapping scenes. And, and that's really it. And really only to bash Mariah on the head and to kill the dog. That's like the most, and then to slap the shit out of Tom too. But that was satisfying out of everything. So 
gore in this movie, I'm giving it a two out of five because the dog scene is kind of gory and it's disturbing and it's shocking. Uh, and there's a couple of good little effects here or there, but it's not like overtly gory in, in the way it does. Crap, I'm going to give it a two out of five because the acting is is pretty good overall. There's some poor performances here or there. There's some scenes that aren't necessarily needed, you know, things in the bar. It's got a good runtime at an hour and 26 minutes um, or 27-ish minutes. Uh, and it's got a great ending theme song. I, I really, really love that song. So the fun, this is a hard one because it's it's not fun, right? But it's a three out of five because I think you could really enjoy the performances. There are some good scenes with some good like tension built into it and a couple of good jump scares that actually got me. Um, and uh, the message is I feel it's pretty good and I love how it's open-ended it is uh, to beat that point across once more. So that's why it gets a three out of five. But it's not a fun film. It's slow. It feels a lot slower. It's like a slow burn, but it's only an hour and 26 minutes, but the first 45 minutes seem to take forever. And then all of a sudden it seems to just take off, but you really get into it at the same time. And so overall, I'm going to give this a three out of five seventies wallpapers. Uh, I think that it's worth a watch. I think that your mileage is going to vary in, in the person that you are, uh, depending on how you see the film. If you can make it through, uh, for some people, I feel if you can make it through, through the first 40 minutes, you're going to be enthralled with the rest of the movie. You may not like characters like Anna, which I thought was a really good character, but you know it's it's really because you know the 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 kind of crunchy hippie witch thing. You know that that's something that some people don't really get into. But again, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's definitely not what the trailer is, but it's definitely I think it's worth a watch. And if you have Shudder, you have it readily available for you. And I'd really love to see the little short film that was done for this movie to see how much has changed. And I'm going to try to find that one out there. So then that is it for this movie. That's it for Slapface. So, uh, you know, don't forget that we do the mini episodes every other week. So next week there's going to be a brand new mini episode. Uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying the little mini episodes, uh, and we'll talk about the film that we're going to be watching next time on that mini episode. So don't forget to listen if you want to figure out what the next movie is going to be. Um, and uh, yeah, again, trying to get more into horror and I'm going to try to do more horror horror. Like this one was something that it is in the horror realm. Don't get me wrong, but I know that it's got more of a, you know, a message to it than anything else. And it would be great to get into something that's maybe cheesy or whatever. So we're going to have to, you're going to have to guess what we're going to see. So as always, don't forget to check out all the socials. Um, I'm looking at actually putting up a new store. There is going to be another store because I've had issues with the old store and them taking some of the artwork down because it was mixed with, you know, uh, it's an artistic representation of something and shouldn't have been taken off the site. And I don't want to have that happen again. And I didn't like their site and their store. So I found a new one. And that store, I'm going to try to finish up hopefully in the next couple of weeks, and we'll have that one up and ready. And that has more options for stuff. So if you want to get a little bit of Terrible Terror stuff and support the store, that would be great. Buy yourself a t-shirt, mug, whatever it is. Uh, the current store will be in the show notes, and then the new store will show up. Uh, I'll tweet it out and stuff. But it does help support the show. If you find something, there's a logo shirt, there's a Corn Trees t-shirt, uh, and a bunch of other stuff that you can get those logos on. And we still have uh, 
the podcast from another world i still put that on some stuff um and uh, so if you want to get that logo on something you can as well um but uh yeah beyond that uh don't forget to check out uh, the rest of the sip network sipnet.us uh, I know I haven't shouted them out recently, but there's a lot of people out there. Also, make sure to check out uh, the Angry Dad podcast, Beat of the Fourth Power, uh, on all things social. He's got a great podcast. Make sure that you check him out. So I want you to check that out. And then for me, myself, make sure to go to Facebook, facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, Twitter, twitter.com slash T underscore T underscore Podcast, Terrible Terror Podcast on YouTube and Instagram, and then twitch.tv slash Terrible Terrors. You can come watch uh, every Monday. We're playing Dead Space 3 right now. And you can watch us get scared out in space. Uh, so thank you guys so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. And take care of yourselves and each other. Ah, oh, fuck it. This song is too good to not play for you guys. Enjoy.
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.